This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. Give me a name. Like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of the Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? Should we run a half hour longer to interfere with another podcast? And We're starting pretty late here. I don't know. Are we, are we going at anyone's throat here? Uh, who else is who's live right now? I know Impact is live usually on Thursday nights, but I don't know if we're directly with them. But yeah, we should probably, yeah, why not? Who's our podcast enemy that we have to counter-program? Um, like, direct like pot, yeah. Smackdown. Huh. Like, should we do a half-hour extension, uh, talking flagship to counter uh, fucking between the sheets and get those bastards? Oh, that's uh, going to be tough. Yeah, I don't know if I can go. They they have they got like four additional hours on us. Um, that's true. What's what's killing them for a half hour going to do? Yeah, They're exactly. Run for five hours. The, anyway. oh, so what we can do is we'll start a show next. So next week's live voice wrestling flagship will start at two a.m. and we'll go for Observer Radio because they post that at like that's like three a.m. Right, that that thing goes up. Yeah, I mean, you want to go after Dave and Brian? Yeah, let's, let's just all stay up at because they record it like the absolute <laughs> latest possible hour, right? That's because that's the funny thing with Dave's stopwatch, right? Isn't it? <laughs> like it's like one thirty six or something like that. The the oh, infamous the Dave Seltzer stopwatch. Yeah, which I don't know it's, why he doesn't just reset the the alarm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe. a very yeah for people that I mean this is real deep in the weeds for people that aren't aware of this, real but. Deep. Uh, uh, on Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer has some sort of – it's a stopwatch. It's not an alarm. It's a stopwatch, like a legit – like the stopwatch that he uses to time the shows, which he, yes, still does with the stopwatch. And um, it just, like, goes off randomly during Observer Radio sometimes. And, and Brian's like, Dave, uh, your stopwatch is going on. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, it does that. <laughs> Brian's yeah. like, can we turn it off? <laughs> like, yeah. Dave's response is always, yeah, it does that. <laughs> How do we make it not do that? Right, Brian's like, well, yeah. is there a way that we can have it not go off during the middle of the show? And Dave's like, no, it uh, it's the time's all screwed up on it, so it goes off at like one thirty-five. <laughs> Why doesn't he? Maybe he needs it for. Maybe it reminds him to do something at one thirty-five on on every week. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But then he could keep it in another room, though, right? Like, it seems like that's to... an option. Yeah, that uh, it reminds me as well of the uh, the infamous. Uh, battery backup that Dave had for a long time. You know, I thought that was smoke alarms with bad batteries. Oh, that's right, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that has appeared on on a on a Voices of Wrestling. Uh, has it? It has. Yeah, it, it definitely has. Um, you know, when at I least in my alone, old apartment. I don't know if it does in, in 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 this current setup that we have now, but definitely in the old apartment. I'm positive it went off. When I lived alone, they all started beeping, and what I did was I just. I couldn't figure out which one was beeping and, and all that. So I just ripped – I literally ripped them all out of the wall to the point where they weren't <laughs> no, able to I don't like that strategy. <laughs> That's not a great strategy, actually. Yeah, so, you know, years later, 
TLB moves in with the kids, and she's oh, like, no, how long did you live happen. without? The whole time I lived alone, basically, like as soon as the. So she's like, no, this is not. No, you got to <laughs> get. Right. You got to get somebody in here, and because like I just ripped the wire, like just ripped them off the wall, like wires and all, very irresponsible. Um, but yeah, that she's like, no, you need to get that fixed yeah that's uh that's today not, yeah that's she's not. like i don't care who you get you need to make a phone call <laughs> yeah. i'm like all right i'll get it done she's right, she's she's like, right, no she's today right. yeah so like okay so wait hold on hold on hold on so the battery yeah. was out or you just didn't replace the so, battery yeah so what happened was i think the batteries the initial batteries that came with the house in the gimmick Sure, Die. and they have like a. They, I think when you buy it, it tells you that this is the day when it's going to go. Like it, it, they know it to a science. I think of like this yeah, will last I you mean, five years, and then it's going to go off because you need to change it. it as a way to kind of remind yourself. Like there's always those different things. Like hey, when you uh, for daylight savings time, like check all your batteries and stuff. But I think they actually have something that says okay, from you know from now until five years from now, it's going to um, you, you need to change your alarm or you need to do that or whatever. So. So one would like go off and I would try to find which one it was because it always sounds like it's coming from the one you think it is, but it's not. It's just the whole thing. And then <laughs> they like all started that, going. Like it's not that big of an issue. but Then they all started going off. Like I'd figure out, I would determine which one was that I fixed and then another one would okay. be another one. So I got like eight or nine in the house, I guess. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I got mad and I just ripped them all out of the fucking ceiling. And that was the end of that. So when we say rip, are we talking just like, you know, gentle, like slide or did you just like rip them out? No, I ripped them out of the ceiling <laughs> through like the wire snapped. In okay. Like, yeah. Just that was ripped them out of the ceiling because they would not stop fucking beeping. Right. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. I guess I appreciate that for, for, you know, audio on the, the voice wrestling flagship, but uh, yeah, for your safety, I don't I know if that was a great idea. I could have just changed the batteries. Right? That's what I mean, I'm saying. I, I just don't understand why that didn't go through your head at any point. Well, you know, I have my ways. So the point is... Is it a battery issue? Like, do you not have batteries? I don't know what it was. Okay. All I know is it stopped when I ripped them out of the wall. So TLB <laughs> moved in and that got corrected, like, immediately. That wasn't going to fly. Although I will tell you, there is one near the kitchen that even she agreed, okay, that one doesn't... Oh, there's... Yeah, we have one that I'm... I uh, Before we cook something particularly oily or whatever... Yeah. Stand on the chair. That one's out. It goes into the, it goes into the outside. It goes onto the the deck. Yeah. It's it's not getting yet because it's just every single time. If anything is cooked with oil, I'm convinced that at one point during this show, it, ours is going to go off uh, because uh, the uh, the nurse is, is is cooking right now. And there's almost I mean, anytime we cook with like cast iron or whatever, that thing's off in ten seconds. You know what I mean? So um, this one is so sensitive. I apologize in advance if it if if, if it goes off. So. Even if my oven's on, like half the time, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. If I go, if I go over four twenty-five on my oven, it's yeah. it's off. And it's like, oh come on, there's nothing smoking. Like, what are you doing? Heat, like general heat. Did you know that humidity can turn those on too? Oof. Yeah, discovered that this year during uh, some particularly humid Chicago days. Because there was one, I changed the batteries. It kept beeping and was going off like crazy. And the dogs go nuts. They they're hiding and shaking or whatever. And I fixed the batteries. I put it back up. Right back on it. That that I will admit, uh, in this household, there was a day and a half or whatever where they were they were just outside. So yeah. in the garage too, because I wasn't sure if they were going to turn on outside. So I dug with the garage. I put them in like a pile in the garage just in case, like it was too loud and the neighbors got annoyed. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, but you know, you, you 
you get married to the right person, they straighten you out. Yeah, that's fair. That's that. That's fair. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the nurses like turn those things off. Like, get those in the garage. I don't care. You, we don't have children, or you know, we we do have the dogs, but we have a we have a, a thing on the window to let the let the firemen know if they come that uh, there are two dogs in the house. Do you, do you have one of those to? Let people know who's no, in the house. The, oh, the sticker on the door? The, dog, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the classic dog sticker? Yep, yep. You know, I have to tell you, I forgot those existed until right this moment. That's <laughs> love, we have to get ours a few. We have to we have to replace it a while because it'll, it'll lose a little bit. And, like, I'll look at it and be like, ah, we got to replace this pretty soon. It's kind of starting to fade. And then it's, like, fading. I'm like, we got to replace it. We, ha- we have to. If a fire came tomorrow and, and, and the fire department showed up, they would not know that we have two dogs in this house. So they, they need to know today that there are two dogs in this house. So. We I don't was, think I've seen. We, I don't think I've seen one of those since like 1980. That's <laughs> incredible. Were Were you alive in the era where people would put up the blue star in their house? Do you remember the blue star, or was oh, that just this? strictly a Chicago thing? I I think it was a if you were being like a te- if there was like an attempted abduction or something like that, you were to put a and somebody can correct me. Maybe it's a Chicago thing. I have no idea. Maybe somebody in the chat room is listening will remember this. There you would put this thing up in your window and I could have a completely wrong interpretation of this, but my interpretation was you would put this thing up in your window. And if you were like, if there was like an attempted abduction or something was going on or whatever, you could run to a house that had the blue star and they would, you know, take care of you or whatever. Even as a kid, I was like, wouldn't an abductor just put the blue star up? Like, listen, okay. It feels like an inside job. It just feels like a way to have an inside job happen very easily. Wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I'm understanding. Okay, this. and again, my interpretation could be absolutely wrong on this, but that was at least what the interpretation I had. So, wouldn't it be you'd flick on this blue bulb and it would alert? No, no, the it was like that... so. It was like a, um, it was like a, a a paper star that you would put in the wind in your window. Does that make sense? Okay, so you <laughs> have. I, I admit it was weird, but let's, let's. You have a home invasion. Let me see if I'm following. No, no, I think it's. I, it was for children. It's like if you were walking home from school. And a, a a a man would show up in a sprinter van or a, a, a an, an astro van and was trying to pick you up. Okay. You could run it to if your house was seven blocks away and you knew you oh, couldn't get to your house in time. Like, like I have a blue star, my house is safe. Right, you can come to, to my house. I will I will help you from this person. So you would know well, why that. Wouldn't, why wouldn't the creep? That's the blue star. <laughs> even as a kid, I was just like, I feel like if there was just like two creeps, they'd be like, hey, you chase the kids and I'll put the star in my window and then they'll come in. Yeah. You know that's and I thought that even as a kid, so I, I mean, even if the, yeah, like even if it arose, I wasn't going to go to a blue star house. I was like, nah, that's that seems even more weird. Right, you wait for the kid to get close to your house and then get on your. This is the '80s, so get on your walkie-talkie and tell the guy in the creep van, "All right, come around the corner now, offer him the candy, and he'll he'll come into our house." And yeah, I totally see why you would think that. That's uh. That sounds like a really dumb idea. Is that that can't be a real thing? Maybe I think you're I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I could be misremembering, but uh, um, yeah, I, I don't recall exactly how how it was. But uh, yeah, there there was that. I don't know how how do we start talking about blue stars and I don't know. We were talking about counter programming between the sheets, uh, WWE style, because that's what's happening Friday, Rich, as uh, the war, as some are calling it. Yes, yeah, we got a we got a big Friday Night's War. I, I, I essentially just in our topics and run sheet just said wrestling is back, baby, because this is a full on 
this is classic, man. This is the classic stuff. And this is what we told people when they were, you know, when AEW was first starting and people were like, I don't, I don't, ah, two companies and they're throwing jabs at one another. We're like, no, this is good for everybody. Everybody is going to succeed from this. Viewers are going to succeed from this. Wrestlers are going to su- su- succeed from this. And it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot more fun. And we got something like this. I mean, this was, this isn't awesome what's going on this weekend. I mean, they, they, it's, they've been, you know, quote unquote, you know, throwing some jabs here and there, some lefts and rights and some, you know, just kind of working, working each other over over the last two years. And and it feels like I don't know what's gotten into them, but I guess it's maybe Dynamite doing better, Rampage doing better. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but it, it is for a while. It just felt like AEW kind of, you know, throwing a little little punches here and there and WWE kind of just protecting and protecting a little rope of dope. But they're ready to swing back, man. They are pissed off, and that is uh, Friday Night Wars is is what we got uh, uh, this week because we have SmackDown going to FS1 because of the playoffs from MLB playoffs. So SmackDown is going to FS1. It's going to be two and a half hours, so they're adding an additional half hour, as you kind of alluded to earlier. That half hour will be commercial free as well, which is a a, a very interesting strategy here. Uh, one that I'm very curious on FS1's thoughts uh, on that. But you know, it's FS1. They might not care. They honestly. A few days ago, somebody texted me and they were playing Poker Stars Shark Cage at like 7 p.m. on a weekday. So I don't think FS1 cares <laughs> if they're commercial free, probably, I guess. But so you got SmackDown coming on FS1, two and a half hours. Uh, the SmackDown show is pretty loaded. You got Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. You got Finn Balor, Sami Zayn. That's a King of the Rings semifinals. Carmella and Zelina Vega. Well, they're not all winners. Uh, Queen's Crown semifinals. Sonya Deville, the return, in ring to return of Sonya Deville uh, versus Naomi, plus an appearance. By Brock Lesnar, so that's a pretty loaded SmackDown. What, 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 what do you think of uh, what they're offering here? I mean, you know, they're doing it right. If their goal is to, first of all, ensure that they win, that's number one. I think after Dynamite beat Raw a couple of times in the demo, um, you know, they had to be embarrassed about that, and they did take notice. And you know, Rich, we probably have to take a rare L. I think that we kind of bought Nick Khan's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering when if we if we were going to do that because we don't usually. We are we are very good at at when we get something right, we let you know and we lap and we pat we do a Barry Horowitz pat on the back or whatever. But uh, very rarely. But we're we're pretty wrong about this one. So I I think it's fair for us to take an L on this one. I could totally see how he can walk into a boardroom and get his way. I mean, you know, but I feel like maybe if it's maybe even if it's his personal style to pay attention to his own house and not worry about competition, there's no way he was going to, and, and our whole thing was, Oh, maybe he's convinced Vince that this is the way. <laughs> right. Right. And maybe, you know, <laughs> and we shouldn't, it's not impossible that he did, but it's possible that Vince was like, all right, all right. And then for like a month and a half, Vince was like, all right. And then Vince woke up one day and was like, God damn it. No. You know what I mean? Like that's you're very not, possible. Yeah. You're like, not wrong, but I think you're skirting the L let's just take the L. <sighs> You know, you're, I think you're just you're trying to skirt the L here. <laughs> um, the bottom line is this. Uh, they clearly view it uh, most deaf. They're no selling AEW is what they're doing. And, um, you know, we, we, we had a conversation with uh, – oh, I don't know. You weren't around that day. Did you see the conversation I had with uh, someone who would absolutely know that information? Uh, and, uh, yes. And he told us, yes. you know, the godfather. And he basically, he told us, uh, he's like, look, they absolutely consider a competition. I'm like, well, who's the, and I asked, I said, well, who's yeah, the you one? You were given a one, you were given a yes, they care. And then a one word answer to this next question you're going to ask or a two word yeah. answer, I should say. 
I said, all right, well, whose strategy is it to no-sell AEW completely and behave as if they're not competition? And Rich, what was that one-word answer? Well, or two. It was Nick Khan, I believe. Or just Khan. I forget if it uh, was. It just, did it just say Khan? Oh, wait, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Damn, I set you up for the big... I forgot it was. Yes, right. I lobbed it up for you. <laughs> no, are you, you sure? I don't know if that was the answer. You look right now. I promise I'm you it, it right says now. Vince. Let's see here. The name. The person who DM'd us their name is... No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, shit. You're right. Okay. Yeah, it's Vince. I've taken a Vince. lot of L's here. Yes. Yeah, One word. Just a... Vince. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, they absolutely care. And Vince is still the boss. And you can see that. So getting back to my point, number one, they want to make sure that they win that they, they, even though they're only overlapping with this extra half hour that they tacked on, they want to make sure that on Friday night, SmackDown has more viewers than rampage. And I think it's a pretty much a lock that SmackDown's going to win in terms of total viewers. I mean, Oh yeah. First of all, I mean, it's a pretty big gap. It's a huge, listen, yeah. I, I'm not looking at the Brandon Thurston spreadsheet, $5 Patreon for, for Brandon's Patreon, which is tremendous if you're into this kind of stuff. Yeah, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Uh, subscribe to ours, too. But um, Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. I'm, I'm in the ballpark when I say that the last three SmackDowns on FS1 have done about 800,000 viewers, 888,000 viewers, and I think the third one did a million viewers, the one on December or whatever it was. If I'm not exact, I'm in the ballpark. If you look at the last month of Rampage, they're not even approaching the lowest of those numbers. Now, you do have to factor in that with SmackDown running the extra half hour, I do think that's going to hurt their overall average. Right, they're stretching out their, their their viewership over a longer period of time. So that, that could play a factor. But I still think that they'll win in total viewers. I think the demo could be closer. SmackDown has the obvious advantage of being on in primetime and Rampage being on at 10 p.m. So um, my official prediction is that SmackDown wins the total viewership rather handily. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I, and and I think the way that they've approached this show and they've publicized this show and the people and the names and stuff, it, it, to me, I, I yeah, I, I think it is. And I think Rampage, what they're kind of countering with, and we'll talk about that in a sec, is more, you know, trying to maybe hurt that overall number a little bit. And I, and, and I get it. I get what they're trying to do. I get what they're trying to do with the buy-in. And it's great. For us, it's great. We're getting a Brian Danison and Suzuki match because of this all. And, and it's a cool, you know, it's a nice one-two punch. It's a nice jab. It's a nice return. You know, I, I don't watch boxing enough to give you great uh, boxing terms here. Some, some you know, <laughs> not uh, what what's... Al Burns, isn't it Al Bernstein? Is that the guy I'm thinking of? Yeah, he's yeah, a boxing guy. If that's yeah. the one you're thinking of. Yeah, he's one of the guys I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's he's he still does stuff. But Freddie uh, Pacheco. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's the guy I was actually trying to think of. Yeah, because he's like the more gravelly voice guy, right? Max Kellerman, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, some Max. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm like I, my my boxing, much like my hockey. I pretty much stopped watching boxing in like 1997, so that's pretty much my favorite reference for for boxing. So uh, I was probably pre Kellerman. But definitely, because like, because Al Bernstein more is more like the studio guy, right? No, no, he's an analyst and he's still around. Um, he he he's open to MMA too. Like he's not one of these boxing guy who by guys who's like ah, MMA. Um, the other guy you mentioned is very gravelly though, right? He sounds like he's got a cigar in his like an unlit cigar Chico, in his mouth. Yeah. yeah, right. What about a little Lou Duva? <laughs> I, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, little Jim Lampley on Playboy. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, Jim Lampley. That's a good. That's a good combo there. Jim Lampley on HBO Sports or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's my. Yeah, that's my favorite reference for boxing uh, uh, ever. Yeah, I have not watched a. I think I watched the McGregor Mayweather fight for about ten minutes and said this is boring and then stopped watching that. So well, now, uh, anyway. now that we played, now that we played, name some boxing, <laughs> name some boxing announcers. Yeah, that'll yeah. that'll get the viewers for sure. People will be really excited about name. Boxing commentators, but uh, yeah, no, I think they've done a SmackDown. I think is 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 has really brought a very good you know show to the table, and and it's I, I think it's very very similar to something that we have talked about many many times. And I know Brandon Thurston again to you know to mention him at WrestleNomics. He has sort of brought it up this week as well, and last week uh, with the MLB playoffs. And and we've we've been on this theory since day one of, of Dynamite, and day one of AEW, is that it always seems that no matter what's going on in the world. Whether it be an election, a big news day, a big sports day, or whatever, it always affects AEW a lot more. Your your, your standard AEW viewer very often is thinking, "Okay, uh, there's a big game on, so I'm going to watch the big game instead." And, and and again, that's that's you know that's not uh, AEW. That's not good. You know, it's not. I'm not making that as an excuse. Like it's something that like I ideally you want that fan to say, "I don't care if there's a great baseball game on. I want to watch AEW." And you know, I think there was a, a time or there was a little bit of momentum for that, you know, during the regular season of a lot of these sports. But we've seen so far at the baseball playoffs that people have in large part said, nah, I want to watch baseball playoffs. And that might be lessening now that we're, you know, out of the division series. Some big markets are gone. You're left, you know, at this point with, with, with you know, yeah, some big markets, but maybe some teams that don't, you know, necessarily have the, the cachet that like the Houston Astros. I don't know how many people are really going to want to watch the Astros in the ALCS. Maybe a bunch of people want to watch the Red Sox beat them. People are going to, of course, start watching the Red Sox. That's going to be a big deal in the Northeast. You know, the NL will try to figure out what, what ends up happening there between L.A. and San Francisco or whatever. But, like, I, I don't know. It, 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 AEW seems to always be affected by sports, by news, by, you know, big uh, a, a big political night, by whatever. And and SmackDown and WWE really doesn't. So that's where maybe the idea that, okay, people are going to be watching, you know, baseball instead. They're going to be watching whatever instead of AEW where SmackDown, again, like, because I'm with you. I, I think that SmackDown is going to win ultimately. Well, the Baseball is going to beat both their asses. I mean, oh, of course. Baseball's been nuts. Baseball's been, been nuts it. this year so far. Yeah. So, but I mean, you just look. They look at the like, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks. Okay. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, that that is among like the matches that you can make in that company right now. Among the like quote unquote dream matches, top matches, top draws, or whatever. I mean, that that's got to be your top five, right? One of your top fives, Becky Lynch oh, for Sasha, Let's right? See, anyone who looked at my SmackDown rating study that I wrote over the summer looking at Roman Reigns, it was really Sasha Banks that was popping SmackDown whenever she would show yeah. up. And when she would go away, it would it would drop, and she'd come back, and it would go up. She's a legitimate ratings draw, and that's a huge match. And then you have an appearance by Brock Lesnar. You have a King of the Ring match, a Queen of the Ring match, and I guess you have Sonya Deville-Naomi, which that's a, not any kind of drawing match, but it is a match that they've been building for a number of months. But... um but yeah, that's a huge show, and then they're tacking on the extra half hour, and that half hour is commercial free. Yeah. And what's interesting here is if you look at Rampage, they're not giving anything away. It it is a typical Rampage: Ruby Soho versus the Bunny, CM Punk versus Matt Seidel. Another match where CM Punk faces a lower mid card guy. You know, he has faced uh, Will Hobbs. Daniel Garcia and now Matt Seidel, you know, they're not putting punk in there, you know, with, uh, you know, Nate, pick your star of choice. Miro right. Right. Like it's it, it, definitely not a show. You look at that show and it's definitely not a show that you're like, Oh wow. They, they like, I meant the counterpunch 
the the one counterpunch is the Tanner's versus Suzuki on the buy in, going to YouTube to maybe slow some momentum. But I think ultimately, other than that, it's pretty much just a, a paint by numbers rampage. No, it's the same rampage they would have done whether they were countered or not. And that's what's interesting is WWE very badly wants to ensure that they win this. And I think it'll be, and I think that they will, but I also think it's more embarrassing for them if they don't. If they lose in any way, demo, the half, the head-to-head half hour, because you know this is going to be sliced and diced and analyzed from every angle. Okay, we know that. They have to, with this lineup and the fact that they're going commercial free for that last half hour, I feel like they need to clean sweep and wipe the floor. They have to destroy them. Yeah, I mean, if they're going, they're they're doing Brock Lesnar, they're doing Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks, which we said is again like one of the top matches that company can do right now, and they're they're giving it away on a SmackDown or whatever. They have to dominate. I mean, I think that ultimately, I think that is probably what you know when we talk about in the room in the AEW room. I think ultimately that is probably their bigger is you know their bigger thing that they're anticipating is not necessarily beating SmackDown. I, I don't honestly think that they think that they're going to beat SmackDown. Maybe, maybe they do. I have no idea, but I, I I honestly don't think they do. But I think it's more that hey, look, they they emptied the the chamber. I mean, they they went with Becky and Sasha Banks, and they brought Brock Lesnar out there, and they went commercial free, and they added a half an hour, and they did you know this this and this or whatever, and that's all they got. You know, whatever that number is, that's all they got, and 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 it's like all right, cool. I mean. We're in their heads, and, and they're giving away big matches to try to counter-program us. And, and again, this is all cool as fuck, by the way. This stuff all rules. But, like, that, I guess, would be in the room is, is what I look at is, okay, they're going to do all this stuff, and how much is it going to affect them? How much is it really going to do? And how much does that play into a factor of it? Because that, that, yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately what you do. I can't honestly think that they're going to get in that room and think that CM Punk and Matt Seidel is going to beat, you know, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks or, or whatever. Or Ruby Soho and the Bunny is going to be able to match Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. Like, there's just no way. No, I I agree. You know, they can't. And now as far as the buy-in, what do you think the strategy is there just to – because you can watch SmackDown and then watch YouTube on your phone or your tablet. So, I mean, I can't imagine it's going to take viewers away, but is it just to pick up momentum before Rampage and then get you to put on Rampage instead of watching that last half hour of – of SmackDown, I mean, what's yeah, the I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss as well. I was very surprised when I saw, oh, Danielson Suzuki. Okay, cool, that's cool. It's gonna be on Rampage. It's on free TV. That uh, whatever. And then I, I, you know, immediately, I didn't even think to to look deeper into the tweet. And then I look, and I'm like, wait, the buy-in on, on YouTube. It, it's a little strange to me. I, I, this might be one that we always look back on. Years down the line, we might look back and be like, can you believe they put something on YouTube? Like it's just on YouTube, it's just on this random buy-in show or whatever. Uh, it's strange. I don't know. I don't know the exact reason. I, like you said, there's nothing stopping most people from if, say say SmackDown because they're gonna have a monitor. You know what I mean? They're gonna know what's what's going on, what time. They they used to do it during the Monday Night Wars too. They, yeah, all every announcer had a monitor by their feet when Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon were at the booth and looked down and see what's on or whatever. And there's no doubt in my mind that when Danis and Suzuki are you know on the Rampage buy-in. That SmackDown's going to counter with something that they think that you're going to want to watch or whatever. I don't know if it's going to be Becky and Sasha. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think they're smart enough to not put, you know, Sony Deville and Naomi or Carmella and Zelina Vega in that spot. Not, not those, you know, but those matches aren't really going to draw that level. But, you know, to the idea, put something on there that people are going to be interested in. And, and then, like you said, they can just pop up on their phone and they can watch the, the you know, Danos and Suzuki match on their phone or on their tablet or on their laptop and, and keep SmackDown up. So I, I don't know that it's enough to, like, change a TV viewer because, like you said, there's, you know, they can just keep that show on and watch it on a second screen or whatever. 
So I, I don't know. It, it is it's an interesting strategy. I don't know if I totally get it either. Uh, maybe we're, we're we're missing something key here, or something big, or I don't know. I if think the, it's I mean, the build hype. Yeah, it's the build hype. Yeah. Um, I think it's the build hype, and because everyone's talking, I say everyone, but you know, um, a lot of people are talking about that Danielson Suzuki match. So um, I don't think you know a certain kind of wrestling fan isn't going to want to miss that. So they're going to find a way to watch it, whether they're watching SmackDown or not. Um, I just don't know if you're died in the wool SmackDown WWE fan is necessarily going to care about that match, but you're not winning that person over anyway. That person's watching. Smackdown. Yeah. You don't worry about that. Yeah. That, that, that person, the <laughs> usually 55 year old or so person or whatever is probably not going to switch over no matter what there, there's, there's very little. that's going to take them away from SmackDown or they frankly just don't even care to watch AW. Any, I mean, there, I don't know if there's anything like the, like you said, those died in the wool folks are probably just not going to leave ever. You know, at the end of the day, none of this matters anyway. No. I mean... It's it, just all... It's, it's all just shit talking and stuff. Yeah, it's all It's this. perception and... It's it's perception and uh, bragging rights for a couple of days is what it is. Um, because, you know, it, it's, it's not like these two shows are going to be going head-to-head every single week. Then we'd have something to sink our teeth into, like when Dynamite was going up against NXT. So... Uh, this is a chance for one side or the other to, you know, puff their chest out for a couple days or whatever. But from WWE's perspective, they must be feeling the heat either from investors. Maybe they, you know, they're, they're afraid of what they're going to hear from investors on the next call. Cause AW has been so successful that at this point it cannot be ignored. And I, I, maybe they feel like they can't keep just no selling it. And something has to be done to kind of curtail it. And it all feeds into uh, what we found out, which is that WWE are the ones leaking those fast nationals out to the news sites. And the reason that they would do that, I mean, is up for interpretation. But I think it's because they they think that people will will perceive Rampage as being weak because the general public doesn't understand ratings expectations for Friday nights at 10 on cable or any of that stuff. Okay. So um, if they release those fast nationals, which are lower than the final numbers, even, and it's a perception thing, it word gets out that this rampage show is failing or, you know, um, uh, dropping each week. And, and our show on the same night is doing, you know, 2.2 million viewers. And, and to me, that's their angle with that. So if it's all about perception to them right now, then maybe it's just speaking to investors and to the general public and trying to say, hey, look, this is why we say they're not competition because look how far ahead of them we are. We know that's disingenuous because, you know, Dynamite's on in prime time two days earlier and continues to grow. But I think that's kind of their their angle here and why they want to make sure that they crush them this Friday. But I think it's also why they need to. A really bad look for them if they don't really put the foot on the throat and uh, and and just destroy them. Yeah, you and know? like you said, I mean, the, investors see the same articles that, that we see. You know what I mean? They they know you know what's yeah. going on. They they see that stuff. They're aware of that stuff. 
And, you know, not maybe not all of them, but enough of them maybe that, that, that got them a little spooked that, you know, maybe an email got into a Nick Connor or Vince McMahon or, or uh, you know, something got forwarded on from from a you know, Fox executive or whatever that. Yeah, they, they see that stuff. They they know. I mean, they're, they're following that stuff. And, and, and it's, a, it's a big time property on their network. If you don't think if you think Fox just signs a check for a billion dollars and goes, all right, you guys do whatever you want now. Who cares? Like, no, I mean, they're they're, they're keeping tabs on that. And, and, and yeah, yeah, perception is everything. So there, there is, you know. It might make everybody feel a little bit better, or maybe internally WWE will will send a lot an article of you know, and I'm just going to name a website. I'm not, I don't, I don't even want to get into this. So wrestle, make it, one up. Insert wrestle news website here, wrestlingnews6969.net or whatever. Jeez, you like, made so. a fucking <laughs> X X X wrestling news six nine 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 or whatever. Filth monger. Yeah, that one might be taken. That actually. one might be taken. Yeah, I might want to look for that one. But uh, but uh, that's uh, you know I, I, maybe they're maybe not forwarding that one. But uh, you know, insert wrestling news site here. You know, internally WWE might be able to you know that that same person who whether it be an investor, whether it be a network executive, whether it be whoever, they might be able to then forward on an email and say, hey, you know, hey, look, you know, I know you guys were a little bit worried, but look, yeah, we we crushed them this week, or hey, you know, they're they're struggling a little bit. That was kind of a one week anomaly. Yeah, yeah, we're crushing them, we're crushing them type of thing and and like don't put that past anybody i mean that honestly as a company as a competitive company that's you know you should do that good press is you should be forward along good press you don't i do it for my company if something good comes in about my company everybody in the you know i send it to my bosses and they send it to everybody hey we were in this hey we were in this hey we were featured in this magazine like that shit happens like there's just yeah so don't think that it doesn't happen for rating stuff too because everybody cares about that despite what you know Angry people tell you everybody cares about the ratings. It's an important thing, but not everybody knows to study the business enough to know, okay, well, what's the normal? I mean, they just look and say, hey, you know, the headline says AEW Rampage reaches record low or whatever, and and SmackDown beats them by 2.1 million or whatever, and that's enough for a lot of people to go, okay, oh, cool, all right. Our investment's wise then. We have a good investment. Our property is doing good. Okay, great. And they move on. That's a big deal. I mean, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, yeah, it's it's perception, like we've we've said a million times. I mean, um, that's why they're doing it. And I don't begrudge, by the way, any of the sites that are reporting these numbers. It's legitimate news. No, I did see a lot of people say like, oh, well, that means like this site sucks or that site's garbage, and that, that's not at all like the way that I would look at this. Provided that the numbers are legitimate, which there's no reason to think that they're not. And provided that it's just being reported as news and it's not, you know, there's no editorializing going on or anything like that. Um, and even if there is, honestly, I mean, you could have an opinion on these fast nationals if you want. Then I, I don't have a problem with these sites, no matter where they're getting. It doesn't matter. It's news. As long as the numbers are accurate, who cares? Uh, now, if if someone's feeding you misleading or false information, you know, not even talking about these ratings necessarily, and you're just running it blindly. Um, but yeah, if, if they're giving this to these sites and they're double checking it and verifying it and it's legitimate numbers, that's news. That's news. I mean, Meltzer has referred, he's had access to these for a while because he refers to certain cities a lot before the final numbers come out for Rampage. He has done that many times. And the only way to get that is to have access to those fast nationals because it's like, you know, X amount of the top X amount of uh, markets in the country or whatever. So it's not like there aren't other ways to get it. If you have other sources in the television industry, you can get a hold of these. But what we do know is that WWE is, you know, they're given the, because it's advantageous to them. Here's the thing. 
You never saw the Fast Nationals leak the way they've been leaking the last few weeks for the Punk debut. Right. Or for when or whenever it's been Rampage has been number one on cable. Well, why do you think that is? Because it's not to their advantage to leak it in that instance. Right. And, so, and, on, and the same thing, I mean, to be fair, the same thing happens on the other side, too. There was a lot of times where, you know, a number, you know, a, a dynamite would finish or, you know, a dynamite would be done. And then the next day, a lot of new sites would 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 have a lot of reports about AEW numbers. You know what I mean? Like, hey, here's the. And then there's sometimes where everyone's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They're not coming in yet. They're not coming in yet. And, and like, again, yeah. Because that's, again, any company would do that. It's a smart thing to do to try to, you know, accentuate your positives and hide your negatives. That's that's any company would, would, would do that, especially when it pertains to ratings. So, yeah, it's it's both companies have done this sort of thing. Be, you know, forthright with, with ratings when it's advantageous to them and, and, and maybe not as much so uh, when it's not. You know, especially when we saw that, especially, especially, especially when Sports Buzz Daily was, was down and pretty much nobody had access to stuff for a little while there, and it was up to the companies to kind of release it if they wanted to. And, and yeah, AEW was forthright with, with a lot of the ratings, but, but not all of them. And a lot of times we found out quickly why they maybe weren't as forthright with, it, with, with a certain rating. And, and, again, I don't know if it's as much malice as is on the Dota VN, but, but it's, it's a real thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But, um, look, it'll be interesting. Um, you've got this Rampage buy-in. We'll see if that drums up enough interest and and look we're getting brian danielson versus Minoru suzuki who would complain about that and you know bobby fish versus lee moriarty that'll be a great match too so that's a really cool one hour that's actually more appealing to me than either of the shows than smackdown or rampage oh yeah oh my god that buy-in is <laughs> the two matches on there are incredible i mean you got of course brian danielson Minoru suzuki which uh, we, we can't i mean that's just a an all-time match that people have been asking for in a dream match type thing and and brian Danielson had a great tweet this week you know you know re- referencing a, a a match back many 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 years ago with those two it's just like awesome stuff i mean like you you've been saying it a lot the american dragon is back this is yeah. so the american dragon daniel bryan is so far in the in the rear view it, it seems like a completely different human being at this point this is so clearly the american dragon brian Danielson. yeah no doubt about it and it's like you almost forgot what that was like to have that guy. It felt like it got beaten out of him. You know what I mean? It really did. Like I would have told you for sure that like, nah, that, that he's never getting that back. And it took like literally like a week and he's back. You know what I mean? It took that opening promo at all out and he was back. It just took the end of that promo and he was back and, and he was, he was ready to go. And, and yeah, maybe it took a little getting in the ring there with Kenny Omega, but yeah, it was clear when that match was over. Like, Oh, okay. This isn't Daniel Bryan. This is, this is Brian Danielson. This is the American dragon. This is very similar to CM Punk. It feels like a guy who, who, who left one career behind when he went to you know WWE and now has regained that career that he used to have or whatever. It really, does, it really, really does feel that. Even more so with Brian Danielson than CM Punk, I think, really, because the work, this is American Dragon work. The, the, the way that he's talking is American Dragon talking. You know what I mean? He just wants to fight, Joe. He's not an underdog. He's not a goat. He just wants to beat ass. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. He just wants to fight and he wants to wrestle. And that's... And that was what Brian Danielson was. And it was kind of, you know, there was a time, and I'm talking about it in the Yes Movement at, at, at patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. There was a time where I didn't really like Brian Danielson that much because I thought he was kind of boring because I, I, you know, I was coming from a different world. And here's this guy who had nothing. I mean, that those 2003, 2004 Brian Danielson is just like dude who wrestles well. You know what I mean? Like that was the gimmick. And it took a yeah. couple years for him to really fully get that 2005 and the long title run and stuff. And then he became obviously a great character. But there was a long time when he was just guy who wants to wrestle and like, 
we're kind of back there. You know what I mean? It's just like dude who likes to wrestle and that's it. And it's, it rocks. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't take him long to re kind of invigorate himself oh. in that way. So, um, cause it, yeah, there were definitely, you know, since his comeback, I haven't really been interested in him in him in any point when he returned from injury and they immediately programmed him with, um, with big cast and then with the Miz. Oh my and... God. Remember, remember those shows when we got yeah. on here and we're just like, what are you guys doing? That's a layup. He's coming back. Like, yeah. What are you no doing? interest in, in any of that. <laughs> they, um, they did the, your small thing. Yeah. And, right away. You know, and then he had the, then he, then he, he begged to turn heel cause they blew his, the layup of all layup babyface runs. And then he did like the eco warrior thing, which, a lot of people really liked, and I suppose it was really good character work from him. But I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent. Well, I was kind of done by then, and that, and that's I think the big thing that I like. I said like I just kind of completely deinvested in, in in Daniel Bryan, and I thought I deinvested in the entire person. You know, what I mean, I thought I was just done with. I was like, yeah, it's fine, but it's not the same, and we're never gonna get the same, and it's okay. Like he's having fun runs, he's having decent matches or whatever. But it, it, it's always gonna be a guy that like I'm thinking, ah oh, man, this guy used to just be so great, and now he's just this which is fine like it's whatever but it's not this you know i and and the idealized version of brian danielson that i had is this one that we're seeing right now and it's like oh okay he does still have this he was just beaten down and battered and was just trying to make the best of whatever situation he was in and and i think he probably did a decent job of that like you said with the eco warrior thing or whatever but at that point i just didn't care anymore and 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 yeah i've been proven wrong that i i just thought that was it i thought that was all that he had and he was going to play out the strings and that was going to be his career and then he'd go you know hang out on you know his farm with birdie or whatever but no he's fucking he's he's the american dragon brian danielson again and it rules yeah so um and he's wrestling minoru suzuki which Looks pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that so. sounds awesome. And and yeah, if you don't think like, and that's the thing too. Like, if you think that Minoru Suzuki, who I get a lot of people have been saying like, ah, his AEW stuff's been kind of so-so, or I'm not really in love with it, or whatever. And and I, I I'm with you. There's there's been some good, some bad, or whatever. I don't think Brian Danielson's gonna let this guy not have a great match. You know what I mean? Like, there's just he's they're probably he, he's telling him right now, just beat the fuck out of me, just beat. The hell out of me. <laughs> like, I don't care. We're going 25 and you're going to beat the hell out of me. No, we're not going 10 minutes. No, you're, you know, I, you got, and I, I, I hope Minoru can do it. I hope physically he can do it. I guess this will be a big test, but th- I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Danielson's going to say, let's go out there and let's, let's, let's do something special. Danielson doesn't want to have a 10 minute match with Minoru Suzuki. You know, here's the thing though. I, I haven't loved the Minoru Suzuki stuff in America. Like, he has the presence. There's no question about that. Oh, right now it's, and I don't mean this to be, like, you know, mean or whatever, but right now it's, like, an entrance and a a move or two and a look or two. But but once the bell rings, yeah, it's not as great as you think it would be. No, I've been saying, he's been, look, you cut him a break. The guy's in his 50s. But I have been of the belief that he's been on a, he's finally hitting that physical decline. I've been saying that for two years. Um, But... He has such great presence, and he just has, you know, that thing that no one else has where you buy him as legitimate, and so few people have that now, that it almost doesn't matter. And I'm not saying I haven't enjoyed his stuff, but um, there is a clear physical decline. And that doesn't mean he's not capable of great matches because his charisma and his aura can carry him to a great match, even if the physical, even if he has, you know, lost half a step or whatever. But I don't think that there's any way 
that these two guys can get in the ring with each other and not find a way to have a great match. I mean, that's, you know, my, my bar for this is great. It, it, it needs to be great. Mm-hmm. And I think it will be. Yeah, I just can't because imagine. even if nothing else, it's these two guys and people right. are just going to be so hyped to see them in the same ring and doing their spots to each other. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and Danielson has to win. I mean, he's going to win the match. He has to win the match. Um, so that part of it's kind of a given. He's not going to lose because they're doing this story where he has to climb the rankings. And he's going to have to win all of his matches until, you know, he, he he earns his title shot. So, or, you know, you know, I guess there'll be Hangman at the next one. Or what they could do is he'll climb the rankings and then, um, you know, someone will beat him and that'll be the feud that occupies him until, you know, he gets his crack at. See, what I think they're going to do, and it's kind of getting off topic a little, I think Hangman is going to beat Omega for the title at full gear because I think Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega's feud doesn't need the title. So they'll continue their feud. Yeah. And that'll be a money feud. And in fact, I think it'll be better without the constraints of the title. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah, that, that's cla- that's like classic ROH booking as well. You know, and, you know, it's stuff I'm watching right now for the CM Punk and the Brian Danielson series. I'm watching that right now. And that was something that I, I even mentioned it in, a, in a recent episode is something I loved about Ring of Honor is that they understood, okay, what's a great feud or what's a great thing that we can do Okay, great. If it's great, we don't need that title. Let somebody else have the title. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let that guy have the title because we got a great feud here. And that's why guys like a CM Punk never got that title. They got title shots here and there, but they never got that title because they didn't need it. CM Punk and Raven didn't need the ROH World title. Let Xavier have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Xavier needs yeah. the title. <laughs> you know, Samoa Joe, who was great at that time, but it worked better with Samoa Joe being like the prize fighter or whatever. Those other guys didn't need that title. And that was what was really cool about Ring of Honor and what's cool about AEW and, and something that we have been on air for 10 years now saying that WWE largely doesn't make you care all that much about feuds that don't involve a title because to them, like it, they, they just don't build those. I mean, the way that they build titles without a, you know, or, or, or big matches without a title is usually a guy destroys another guy's car or whatever. You know what I mean? Like those tropes that they always do, sure. but it's very rarely just like guy versus guy, but you care so much about guy versus guy that you don't care what what's involved in it or what the stakes are. You just want to see wrestler X beat wrestler Y. And that's what you would do with Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega. You don't need the title. The title is completely irrelevant to that. You just want to see those two dudes wrestle. And then Hangman, you've told the story now that now this would be a perfect time for him to go and win that title. And he can use that to catapult himself into superstardom. And you got this other feud right there. So I, I agree. It's all lined up for that to happen. And I, I hope that is the direction they go. Yeah, I think I, I, I really believe that's that's how it's going to play out. Um, I don't I don't know if you can if you do the hangman match and he did win that dopey chip or whatever, that you can beat him again. You know, they've kind of dragged people along with that for a while now. Oh I, yeah. The casino chip. Yeah. That's no. it's, it's probably time where, for him to just win it, you know? And, and like, like you said, like we said, there's a money feud waiting for Omega anyway. So you don't, you know, he could just, cause I think they, they Omega Danielson could take play course over the, a year and a half the way Omega Okada did. You know, so you can you can get a lot of big matches out of that. And I think that's why they initially did the draw. So I do think that's the plan. But, you know, that all leads back to he's going to beat Minoru Suzuki. I don't think there's any. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no question. Any question about that? Um, Now, this last half hour of SmackDown is like talking smack or something, right? Commercial free talking smack. Is that the case? I thought it was. I, I did not know that, actually. Is that actually true? It's just the talking smack. Someone in the chat room will know. Um, 
I'm pretty sure the last half hour is not from oh. the arena. I think it's a talking smack episode. And I think that that's what's going commercial free. I, you know, I can't imagine if that's the case that the wrestling fans bouncing back and forth from these shows are going to leave that on instead of putting Rampage on. I mean, yeah, that's tricky, man. I, I you're gonna flip over to the CM Punk match, you know, right? Gonna... Right, right. Yeah, I mean, even if you were gonna bring Brock Lesnar out there, yeah, I'm very curious. I, I'm not able to find it right now. I don't want to do too much googling as we're as we're on the air here, but uh, yeah, maybe someone in the chat room will uh, let us. Okay, know. never mind. The last half hour is the the last half hour commercial free is Lynch versus Banks, which speaks to the point we made at the top that that's a huge match for them. So they're putting on their biggest match on the half hour that goes head to head with with Rampage, which makes sense. Makes much more sense than doing Talking Smack. Yeah, that would be death. Talking Smack would be but death, yeah. I think they're running a Talking Smack at some point, and they're replaying... They're doing... I, I believe they're doing immediately after, I think, a replay of SmackDown, and then maybe after that, Talking Smack. Or they're doing Talking... Re- or, you know, you know what they might be doing is doing Talking Smack, and I have no idea. I'm still trying to figure this out as well. Well, they're replaying SmackDown immediately at 10.30. Okay, 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 SmackDown okay. Ends. So I don't know where I got Talking Smack from. Maybe they did that last time or something when they were on episode. You just really like Talking Smack. You just want to hear uh, um, someone cut yeah, a promo about we, how they deserve this or something. That's they still do that? They, they address they still do too. That? They're, they're doing a replay of the show to go up against the other half hour. <laughs> I mean, they really are going all out here to... Uh, they're gonna to they're gonna to fuck around it. and FS One's gonna say, "Hey, this is great. We should you should guys should be on FS One all the time." You know what I mean? Well, I mean, there's talk of adding a third hour for FS One to go against Rampage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, who would put that past them? I'm surprised they haven't done it already. The only problem with that is FS One has so many real sports obligations and contracts that I don't know if you can. Right. It's not a yeah. I mean, there it's not a network that you can really like F. X, you could, you know, if you really wanted to put it on FXX or whatever, you know what I mean? That is okay. We can bump an episode of whatever, you know, The Simpsons. We can bump that another half hour or whatever. But FS1 is tough. You can't mess with the FS1 schedule that much because, yeah, there might be, uh, you know, something on there, especially now, you know, you know, you know moving forward with, with a lot more sports coming up over the winter or whatever. There's just a lot of stuff that's on there that, that might be an issue. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that, um, I'd be curious. Yeah, I'd be really curious. Yeah. Uh, what they do there. But, uh, yeah, as, as far as the other buy-in match, uh, we mentioned Bobby Fish versus Lee Moriarty, which is, I mean, not as good as Danielson and Mizuru Suzuki, but that's a fucking, that's a good match. That's a really, really good match. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's two dudes, and, yeah, that are just going to go out there and just, I mean, that, that Rampage buy-in is, <laughs> it's exceptional wrestling, for sure. So, um, well, there's, uh, there's breaking news. Uh-oh. There's a third match on the buy-in. What? Yeah. What do you got? It is. And now I lost it. <laughs> Please stand by. <laughs> We're losing the impact here. <laughs> let's, let's just go start. We'll start again. We'll edit it. We'll put it in post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Breaking but. news. Bra- what, Joe? What? What are you breaking in with here? There is a third match. No way. You're kidding on me. On the buy in. You're kidding. Tay Conti versus Santana Garrett. Oh. All right. <laughs> Get into it. <laughs> there you go. Get into um, 
All right, cool. <laughs> that I is mean, you, definitely you would, a match. That that is going to happen on the bio. You you would think that this Tay Conti is Bull Nakano the way people talk about her. It's, it's <laughs> I really think she's good. Cool. I think she's good, but I think she's more good in the sense that she's improved a lot. But yeah, like let's 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 reel it in a little bit, guys. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. And Santana Garrett, um, sure she'll be great for WoW wrestling. <laughs> in a few months. So. Uh, I think she's in. Didn't she get the graphic? <laughs> oh, yeah. Did she get the graphic? I have no idea. I mean, she's definitely in. Like, I don't know that she's in, but she's definitely in for sure. I think it got the graphic. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely her scene. So, um, so enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and then, as we said, a rampage CM Punk versus Matt Seidel, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Junior Dos Santos. <laughs> you know, hold on a minute. Is that something? Is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing or not. Is Junior Dos Santos a thing in 2021? I don't think it's a thing. I mean, it's not going to make much of a difference for this, I don't think, if that's what you're asking. Like, are the MMA rags writing about it or no? Do they not care that much? Maybe, but I don't think it's like uh, they're all champions. It's not John Jones. I mean, if John Jones was there, they would be writing about it. Well, for for a variety (laughs) of reasons. For a multitude of reasons. I understand that for a multitude of reasons, John Jones probably will not be. But I get your points. Uh, right. I meant somebody of that level that they would they'd they be irresponsible to not write about John Jones making an appearance on this show. Well, not only that, it would you know do fucking monster. It right. would make a huge difference because now you're talking about someone who's a bigger star than anybody on either one of these shows. Um, that's not Junior Dos Santos. Um, you know, former heavyweight champ and all that, and they've been building up this angle. But it, I'm just saying, in the context of this head-to-head, he's not going to make any difference. Plus. That's going to be in the main event, meaning the go on last spot for Rampage. So it'll be going up against the SmackDown replay. But they don't care if the SmackDown replay does 200,000 viewers. They just care that it takes anything away from the second half hour of, of, of Rampage. So, um, but yeah, no, I don't think Junior Dos Santos is going to make any kind of appreciable difference, no. Um, all right, so that is uh, the Friday Night War. We'll see what happens. A lot of takes over the weekend, I'm sure. Uh, we'll get from both of those. But that is uh, SmackDown versus Rampage head-to-head. We'll, uh, we'll see how the ratings go. We'll see all that sort of stuff. When do we usually get uh, Friday Night ratings? Do mo- so obviously, like, the Fast Nationals usually come out, like, that Saturday morning or whatever, right? Like, pretty quickly Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon or whatever. But the official, official numbers usually come in, what, Monday or so? Monday. Monday, okay. So Monday will be the, the take day where everybody can... Well, Saturday will be the take day. If if okay, if the numbers come out Saturday, they're good for WWE. <laughs> right, right, right. Unless um you know, Dave gets a hold. I think Dave Meltzer said he's going to get them because his source is interested in them. Okay. Ah, okay. I think he said that on his audio earlier this week. He said his source in the TV world is curious about how this is all going to shake out. So, so he'll listen to Dave. If Dave says, hey, what are those ratings? He'll send them over as quick as he can. As opposed he thinks to... the guy's just going to, you know, have the have the numbers ready for okay. him. Because he says, he said some weeks if the guy's busy, he doesn't get them or whatever. And he, but he says the guy is interested in mm. this Friday. So I think whether they get leaked again or not, I think at minimum Dave is going to have something on Saturday. So Saturday will be your banter day. And then Monday, we'll get the final numbers. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. 
until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right, let's move on to uh, G1 here, uh, New Japan's uh, G1 Climax. We're, we're getting down there, Joe. We're getting to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, Monday the 18th, we're going to get night 17. That will be the A-block final. Uh, and then on the Wednesday, October 20th, night 18, that will be the B-block final, leading us to our finals. Uh, night's coming up here uh, very soon as well. You are still doing Daily G1 Audio, patreon.com slash voicewrestling, uh, $5 tier uh, for that. I know that things have been kind of slowing down a little bit, and you're Starting to get that grind a little bit, but do you start getting excited now that we're back in the in, in the in the block finals and we'll know who the finishes are going to be? Or are you still kind of trying to figure it out this year uh, for the G one? Because I know it's been kind of up and down for you. I wouldn't call it excited. Um, I don't dread watching the shows. Like, oh, this is a fucking chore. But I'm definitely not excited to watch the shows. I mean, my attitude towards them are the same as is the same energy that the shows are putting out. They're just, you know, they're decent little shows for the most part. I'm not, you know, and that's kind of my energy back to them. 
Five dollars, Patreon.com. <laughs> Get into it. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it sounds, yes. sounds like great audio. I can't wait. I'm struggling with the audio. I mean, yeah. I'm looking for angles. I'm looking for things to talk about. Well, I was having a discussion with Jay Michael, who who, who does uh, columns for for Voices of Wrestling, and and he's doing you know like your final night, you know, recaps and historical final night things. And and one of the things we talked about at length, and I think it's something that 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 you know you and I have talked about on the show as well, is that it's just for me personally, it's getting very hard to. Because in prior years, I couldn't wait for block final nights because it's like, all right, let's go. Here are the scenarios. Here's the things. Here's who's facing who. Here's who the match listings are going to be, all that sort of stuff because it was really cool. And and it's not because of the pandemic. It's not because of the clap crowds or whatever. To me, it's largely something that they did even prior to the clap crowds, prior to all the, the pandemic, all that sort of stuff happening. And and doing the multi nights of Wrestle Kingdom. And now this year, the quote unquote three nights of Wrestle Kingdom, only two are in Tokyo Dome. Don't even ask me. The branding of that is is a disaster, but it's just you don't. It doesn't really matter like it used to. You know what I mean? In 2014 and 2015, it was like this person that we, the person that we are declaring is going to win this G1 Joe. You had to really know that this is this guy worthy of main eventing Wrestle Kingdom, and that's what you'd ask me. I, you know, I would say, well, what about you know this guy? He's got a pretty good chance, and you would say. Carl Anderson is not main eventing Wrestle Kingdom, Rich. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay. And it was like that. You know what I mean? It felt like that moment, that thing. Whereas now it's like, I don't know. I mean, anybody can main event night one of Wrestle Kingdom in a half-filled Tokyo Dome. You know? Yeah. Okay. It could be Zack Sabre Jr. It could be. And, I mean, literally anybody that's eligible, I think, has a, has a realistic chance of, of, of doing it. And, and that's good. That makes it kind of fun for the final few nights. But it also, it doesn't have that same thing like... If you're really going to make this prediction, you're really they're going to put the stamp of approval on this guy is going to be the dude. You know what I mean? Like you don't have that anymore. No, the, and that hurts it a little bit. It makes it less exciting to to get. You know, there's not absolutes. You don't know. I know the Wrestle Kingdom main event now. You know, August whatever. You know, normally in, in the summer, you knew what the Wrestle Kingdom main event was going to be. No, yeah, the the multiple domes, the multiple Wrestle Kingdom shows have absolutely sucked a lot of the juice out of the G one. It's inarguable. Um. But I think if it were a normal G1 in all ways, people would still be into it just for the great matches. So I don't think it would matter as much as it feels like it matters now, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also, I mean, there, there, it obviously is, is you know, partially an issue of the pandemic and partially an issue of COVID and partially an issue of how Japan you know, is handling things or whatever, and it's making it less exciting, and it's making Wrestle Kingdom a little less exciting, potentially. Who knows what the hell's going to happen by January uh, at, at this point. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, yeah, I, I, usually these block nights were, were way more excited, and, and I, I kind of feel bad that we're just going to be like, all right, here's here's four guys, and here's how they can potentially win it. But uh, it, it's just it's the, the state that we're in right now. But I think ultimately, like, now I, I've kind of caught up a lot with, with the G1 Climax. I think it's been a very good G1, not a great G1, I like this year's G1, I think, a little bit better than last year's G1. It's not a classic G1. It's not a vintage G1. We talked about that last week, and that's okay. I think it's been pretty good, but it's not, you know, it's not great. I'm not salivating to watch these final few nights like I was, you know, during the glory years where I just couldn't wait. I'm waking up, and and, and I'm anticipating it. We're talking about it. We're doing previews. We're doing, you know, full shows. We're doing this sort of stuff. It's not that level uh, anymore, and, and that's fine. Like, it might come back to that level in a year. Who knows? But it's been a good G1. It hasn't, it hasn't been bad. I haven't regretted watching any of the G1. It's just hard to get like super hyped up about anything going on. No, and I think uh, next year, presuming things get back to normal and they have their full crew and full crowds and all that, I really think the quality of the shows are going to be great. I don't really have any 
questions about that, presuming they get everything running back to normal. But I do think they have reached a point now where they're they're going to have to work real hard to get the fan, the interest of the Western fan back. I think they're they've lost a lot of goodwill for a number of different reasons. And obviously, I think the pandemic is the primary reason. It'd be foolish to say it's not. I know people want to blame a bunch of other things. To some degree, you can blame the push of evil uh, last year and into and now, you know, this year. To some degree, you can blame, you know, uh, certain corners of the fandom not being interested in Chase Owens and Will Ospreay. But the primary issue here is the pandemic and the crowds and the inability to have the full crews. And I think the G1 shows next year and I think New Japan in general next year is probably going to have a great year once things get back to normal. But I don't know. I I have my doubts. I mean, I don't think they're going to get all of the Western fans back that they've lost. People have moved on. I think a lot of people have moved on. And I think AEW is scratching the itch for a lot of people. Um, because for a ton of people, New Japan presented an alternative to WWE. And they have that alternative now, and it's far more accessible. And, um, you know, I think so. That fills that niche for a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, circling back to this year's tournament. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I some nights it's it's kind of a it's kind of a slog to get through um you know and other nights you know they feel a little better and and there have been some really good main events especially the last few nights but um not to repeat talking points from last week i've got two matches four and a half in the whole tournament and i mean even if i'm on the low end you know it's it's just not what you expect out of a g1 yeah so um I don't think it's been terrible. I think some people are going way overboard, uh, you know, the other way. I, I don't think it's been awful or terrible or unwatchable or any of those things. Do you need to be on top of it every night and not miss a match? No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. So and you don't feel like you're out of the conversation. If you, I mean, they, there used to be years where like, if I missed a night, it was just like, fuck, I'm out of the conversation. I don't know what people are talking about. Like I'm behind. And, and I just, I mean, like I caught up with like four or five days. You know, today or over the last two days, I caught up, and it's like it's not that hard. I mean, I, I a lot of stuff was like spoiler free. I was like, man, I don't even remember who won this match because nobody tweeted about it because they probably got fucking uh they probably got a, a copyright takedown from uh from TV uh, you know TV uh, the, the TV network. So it's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it, it's been wild. But anyway, uh, that B block the final night night seventeen as we said Monday October eighteenth. Uh, your match order, Satoshi Kojima versus Great Okan, who has been great, by the way. We'll talk about uh, Great Okan here in a sec. Uh, A-Block, Zack Sabre Jr., Tangaloa. A-Block, Shingo Takagi Yujiro. A-Block, Tomohiro Ishii, Toru Yano. And, well, it's obviously the A-Block. Kotobushi versus Kenta. So, okay. Joe, A-Block scenarios, nice and easy. I think you've covered these on the uh, uh, the, the patreon.com slash voices wrestling. There's only 16 different scenarios in play here. <laughs> so, uh, the, the quick and easy of it, thank you to the Chris, uh, Chris Samsa, at the Chris Samsa on Twitter. Uh, it essentially comes down to Ibushi, for Ibushi to win, he has to win, Zack Sabre Jr. has to lose. Okay, so nice. Honestly, what do you think about this? Does Ibushi have the cleanest scenario? Hey, let, let, stick a needle. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. Stick, we'll, we'll do all the other scenarios, then we'll talk about what we think is most likely. All right, Kenta, he has to win, Shingo has to lose, or both Zack and Shingo win. So does that make sense? Sure. Kenta actually has the... Kenta, weirdly enough, and this is from Chris again, 
16, uh, six of the 16 scenarios have Kenta winning the block. So he's the quote-unquote most likely to win it by the scenarios. But, you know, the, whether that will actually happen, uh, we'll see. Kenta is uh, going to be eliminated before he even gets in the ring. I would I would largely agree with that, too. Yeah, he's in the, in the main event there with Kota Ibushi. But uh, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, he has to win, and Kenta has to lose. So Zack Sabre Jr. beats Tangaloa earlier in the night, and then Kota Ibushi beats Kenta. Zack Sabre Jr. moves forward uh, and, and, and wins. Uh, for Shingo, he has to win. Because he beat, because he beat Shingo and Kota Correct, correct, yes. Yeah. So Zack Sabre Jr., he has a pretty clean one uh, as, as well. Both he and Ibushi, I think, are the cleanest ones here. Shingo, uh, you know, he's only two of the 16 scenarios. He, what he has to do, he has to win, and both Zack Sabre Jr. and Ibushi have to lose. So Zack Sabre Jr. has to lose to Tangaloa, and Ibushi has to lose to Kenta. And that's a weird one because Shingo is going to be in the middle of the card. He's going to be against Yujiro Takahashi. God help us. I hope that he beats Yujiro Takahashi. But that's kind of they. That's a weird way to do it too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, those guys get in the main event, and and Kenta beats Kotobushi, and then Shingo goes in that way. I mean, I they they just they don't tend to do that very often. But who knows with this year's G one? Who knows what they're going to do? To me, the cleanest thing is whether it's Zack Sabre Jr. or Ibushi. To me, that's how I read it. You think Kenta's out before he even gets to the main event? What do you think of all these guys? What, what percent chance? Whatever, how you ever you want to do it. Percent chances, odds, whatever, for for these four guys. Like Shingo, what, what do you think the chances of Shingo moving forward and winning the block is? This is what I think is going to happen. Shingo beats Yujiro. That's way too big of an upset. To do. Yeah, they can't do that, right? There's no way. So Shingo is going to beat Yujiro. Zack Saber Jr. is going to lose to Tangaloa for two reasons. Taichi already lost to Tamatanga. So now you have the Girls of Destiny both beating the Techers, and then they're going to do a tag title match. Right. The second reason is, if Sabre wins, then we're guaranteed a multi-person tie, no matter what the result. And I really don't think... I'll believe New Japan's going to do a wacky three- or four-way tie when I see one. <laughs> when they do a so, coin flip, sack race, dependent... Yeah, all it's... this bullshit, I don't see it. So I think Shingo wins, I think Zack Sabre Jr. loses, and then that eliminates Kenta. And then Kenta's in the role of spoiler, and it becomes very simple. If Kota Ibushi wins, he advances. If Kenta wins, Shingo is through. That's what I think they're going to do. So I don't, you know, I understand there's like 16 different scenarios that can play out. Some of them even involve who wins the Ishii-Yano match because of, uh, you know, uh, uh, down card tiebreakers where you have to break ties based on the next person in the standings. I don't think they're doing any of that. I think that it's going to be keep it simple, stupid. And it comes down to Abushi and Shingo. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, the Bushi one is strange. I mean, that, that is both of those take a lot of balls. You know what I mean? Like Shingo winning as the champion. That's something they do not rarely do. They very, very rarely do that as, as the top. I thought from the beginning that this would be a great year to do that if they were going to do it. I'm a little weird about Shingo, you know, advancing via beating Yujiro and then just sitting there and waiting for other people to lose. That the optics of that is a little strange, so I don't, I don't, not super, super in love with that. But it's also, I mean, the balls on Bushi for the third time. I mean, I don't hate it, but you're putting him in like a a pantheon of like just otherworldly pantheon if you do that. If he wins three straight G ones. I, I mean that I don't know I, I it's to me that's just well it's, it's like you said anyone can win the fucking thing. right I know matter. I know I know I know maybe I should I should start separating you know my thoughts of what but to me that just seems like wow like that's like 
that dude is like in the upper echelon of everybody that's ever ever stepped foot in that company and maybe he is for all I, maybe he is maybe winning back to back honestly puts him already there and what the what the hell matters if he wins three in a row but that just seems i mean that's a lot but to me he's the cleanest scenario he's the scenario that makes the most sense to me and he's the one that leads you to the most you know the the most rewarding conclusion is he hits the ring, he's got to win, he wins, he holds his hands up, the confetti goes, he holds the trophy, you know what I mean? That works a little bit better than, like, Shingo having to waltz down there and be like, all right, cool, yeah, I won, great, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's just not, I don't know, it always feels weird to do that, and, and it just seems so much easier to have Kotobushi just win, get that one, two, three, and have the confetti rain over him as, as he's in the ring already. I, I don't know, yeah, I, I, it's, but then he's a three-time winner, back-to-back-to-back, I mean, that's that's nuts. I mean... I think it's plausible. It's, you know, it just really opens things up for them to, and, and plus you have matches for the case in between. We got to throw that wrinkle in there. So we finally saw somebody uh, lose one of those. So it could be anyone. I mean, maybe Naito was intended to win and they feel like they have a return date for him circled and he's just going to beat whoever wins this thing. I mean, any scenario is plausible at this point even kenta who you wouldn't think of as a traditional wrestle kingdom main eventer but oh totally plausible it's totally. the three shows they yeah. can, you know they can put him in that third show that's not in the dome you know and and you know where you're not you don't need to draw the plus you know we don't know what the covid restrictions are going to be it, it could be any one of these guys but um i think that's going to be what it comes down to and i think uh, I don't think they're going to do a scenario where somebody wins the 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 final match of the block that isn't advancing. So I think Abushi will just beat Kenta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look at it. That's classic Gato booking where Abushi loses the first two matches, and you're like, oh, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's As he recovers from COVID, and he's trying to, you know, he's he's, he's got all these yeah. issues, and he, you're not sure if he's got his breath back. And and he was, wor- I mean, like now it's even more clear to me that he was working that too because he's that's the Kota Abushi. Like, because remember how people were like, oh man, his his cardio doesn't seem like it's up to standard or whatever, and he's working. You know what I mean? Those first few nights he was, and and maybe I don't know, maybe there was a little bit of truth in that too that he was kind of working on getting his cardio going but yeah it's classic gato 101 i mean we talk about vintage and classic g1s a guy struggling through injury or illness losing his first two matches then going out on a miracle run and then winning it i mean that's that is as classic as it is yeah so that that's you know I, i'd love to get wacky here but i think that's how <laughs> yeah I, I agree too yeah which is I mean, I, I think in its in itself it's wacky because he's going to be a you know a, a, a three time champion you know three straight and that's pretty wacky in itself. But no other scenario. I, I I just can't. Every time I sit down and try to think of another scenario, none of the other ones sound right. Like you, that shingle one that you mentioned to me. I just I don't know. I just don't see him walking out there. You know, Kotobushi loses and there's Shingo walking out with his title, being like ha ha ha. You know, I don't that's know. That's just for, yeah. That's a way for a heel. Yeah, so. exactly. Right, right, right. If that was going to advance evil or whatever, God help us. You know, that would be. The way to do that is like a bunch of dudes fuck up and then evil waltzes out there and you're like, oh my God, how'd this guy win it that way? But not nah, or, or like Jay White. When, Jay White would be perfect for that too. Or like when Ishii spoiled Jay White. That's like big moment because it's like, oh, everyone loves Ishii and everyone hates Jay White. Like, yeah, right, right. That's not what this is with Kenta and Abushi. It would be a heel spoiling it for Kenta and pushing a baby face through. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's too strange. And then I guess, I mean, I guess, you know, the Zack Sabre Jr., but again, like you said, that's weird too, because he's going to be in, in in you know second you know the the first A block match, the Tonga lowest. I mean, it all is all perfectly set up. Taichi, you know, Tama Tonga beats Taichi, like you said. So yeah, it, it, to me, that's 
so perfectly set up for, for Zack Sabre Jr. to lose to Tangaloa and, and, you know, him gets spoiled by Tangaloa. So, um, yeah, I, I think I come down to a bunch and I just, I always end up with Ibushi. So I think he's doing it. So we'll see. Yeah. Coming out of the A block. It doesn't mean I have to win the whole thing. Honestly, it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean he has to win the whole thing. We're just talking A block. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he could go to the right. finals and then lose. So it's not necessarily like you have said. It's just block winners. Yeah, exactly. So, so I guess, you know, we're, my apprehension of him going, you know, three straight. Who knows? He could go to the final and then lose, and that's that's totally possible as well. So, yeah. uh, B Block Wednesday, October twentieth. Uh, the matches uh, for the block here are Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Taichi, Okada versus Jeff Cobb, Hiroki Goto Tamatonga, Yoshihashi versus Chase Owens, and Sonata versus Evil. But obviously, the main event is going to be Okada versus Jeff Cobb uh, because they made it nice and clean by Jeff Cobb defeating uh, uh, Evil uh, in the last night of the G One. Okada loses to Tamatonga, the big upset there. And our B-block scenarios are nice and easy. Jeff Cobb defeats Okada. He wins. He has 18 points. He wins outright. Okada defeats Jeff Cobb. They both have 16, but Okada, of course, would have the tiebreaker. So Okada would win. So nice and clean out of the B-block. The match that's going on last will determine the B-block. Mano a mano, man versus man. There you go. Okada versus Cobb. So um, I don't know. Does Cobb do it? Do you think they get crazy and do Cobb, or do you think it's Okada and Ibushi in the final? No, Okada. What's, what's your percent have... chance of, of, of Cobb doing it? Zero. 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 Not even a they, little. Not even a little. Because they're not going to have Cobb beat Okada twice in a row. That Cobb beating Okada was to set this up. We called it when it happened. We called it when it happened. And, like, I'm not even sure if we knew the blocks yet. You know, it's just, just again, classic Gato booking. Um, if Cobb beats Okada... He's going to win the title at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, that's just, he's on his way to a, a mega push. And I guess that's not completely impossible, but um, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't see it because that's when you have a guy like Cobb beat a guy like Okada twice in a row like that. And one of them being a block final and a G1. Oh, he's made. I mean, that dude yeah, is, you're, yeah. you're making a statement with that. And um, it's just. It makes too much sense. I mean, because now the whole story is going to be, oh, well, Cobb just beat Okada and he's undefeated and he's an unbeatable monster. And, you know, that's that's t- that's typical of what they do. And Okada, I think Okada will win the match. I'm, I'm very confident in that. Now, in terms of who I think will win the whole tournament, um, you know, if it's Okada and Ibushi, I don't know. And I, I and honestly, I don't really think it matters. I think. I think both of them will be in the mix for the Wrestle Kingdom Wrestle Kingdom main events anyway. I think they're both going to be involved. And so it doesn't this is what we were talking about before. It takes the juice out of who wins the actual tournament because I think ne- you know neither one of them are going to be working the third match on the show in a tag team match with Tiger Mask. They're both going to be in main events on those three shows. Yeah. So it does not make really make a difference. Um you're not choosing, and ultimately, and that's that's what was so different about the the other G ones is that you were choosing. It was Kodabushi and Okada in the final. You were choosing which person you were you were declaring like the star of the year. You know, what I mean, the guy that's going to yeah. main event Wrestle Kingdom, be on the banners, win, potentially win the title, lead you through the next year. You know, represent the the final year, like represent the last year, do all that sort of stuff. That's what you were choosing, and now it's like, I mean, yeah, Abushi can win, and then Okada will probably be in the night two main event. <laughs> you know what I mean? Going for the going for the same title, or hell, Abushi will win the first night, and then he's got to face Okada the next night. Like guys get equal chances now. Like you know, they're they're and especially with that third night. I mean, God, we have no idea what they're going to book that third night. But I mean, I given that it's such spaced out. I mean, there's a good chance you're going to get three IWGP heavyweight title matches. 
Yeah. So who cares? You know, like everyone that's a top star is probably going to get a crack at it. You know, largely. So I don't know. Yeah, it kind of takes a little bit of steam out of it. So definitely takes some steam out of it. Um, because yeah, I really just I don't think don't make a difference. No. Um, and that sucks. But either way, Jeff Cobb has clearly gotten a big push here, and I think they see something in him, and he's going to be a guy to some degree. Yeah. I oh, he's he been great. Ran. He has been so good in this G1 too. Hey, ran through the whole block. He was, yeah. Which is a great, great booking too. Great booking to have this guy do this. And what I said, you know what, what I was talking about, I, I think off air is something that I love about the way that they booked him is that now you have a built in story. When Will does eventually come back, there's a built in story here where eventually if you want to do whatever you want to do with Cobb, like, you know, Will can be like, Oh, Hey, you know, you know, kind of bullying him around or whatever. And Cobb be like, Hey, fuck off, man. <laughs> I scored 16 points. In the G1, I was, you know, neck and neck with Okada. I almost went to the fucking finals. So don't, you know, I'm not, you know, your whipping boy here. And yeah, that's a cool I mean, story already built in. And whenever Will comes back. Right now, Cobb can be all puffy-chested and, and, and whatever. But then when Will comes back and tries to put him in his place and say, okay, well, no, I'm the leader. Cobb can be like, well, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. <laughs> like, wait, wait. While you were gone doing whatever the hell you were doing, I was out here almost winning the G1. So, no, hold on. Yeah, that's thinking several steps down the line. But, yeah, I mean, you know, for sure. You know, if, if, if they could, they could definitely do something like that, especially if, uh, you know, they have Osprey in storyline recruiting other members and everything. So, um, you know, to, to beef up the group, you might not necessarily need, but that's, that's for way down the line. Yeah. God only knows when he's coming back. So, you know, we'll see if Cobb can win this. If Cobb wins this, I'd be very, very surprised. Very surprised. That'd be a big, yeah, that'd be a big, big thing. And and yeah, ultimately then he could just go and lose to Kota Bushi or whatever, but. It's still a big thing, you know. Beating Okada, like you said, that that's that's big boy stuff. That's big boy territory. That's really pushing him to another level. So, well, if he's gonna run through the whole block and then beat Okada again, like why would he lose to Ibushi? You may right. as well just have him win. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. Forget he'd be undefeated completely in the block, which is something else that's like incredible. So yeah. All right. Which, if they were going to do this and it was all gonna come down to Cobb and Okada anyway, why didn't Okada just beat Tamatanga? Like, I don't understand that or like that. I guess it was just to give him a little bit more vulnerability going into the Cobb match. I guess that's the only reason you do it. Yeah. Because once Cobb beat Evil, Evil was out. So the Okada match, the Okada result against Tamatanga was meaningless. It meant nothing. It kept, no the draw, it kept the draw alive is about the only thing that you have. It kept a draw. No, because um, Evil has two losses now. Oh, I, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay, right. Yeah. So once once Cobb beat Evil, the Okada Tamatanga match became meaningless. So why not? I would have just had them both come in undefeated. But I guess their train of thought was we have to have them be a little more. We could give them a little more vulnerability. Is coming off a loss or whatever, but I mean I don't know. I thought it would I thought it would have made it a hotter match if they were if they were both unbeaten. I yeah I, I tend to agree. Um, yeah I I I I think so too. So because Okada's not overcoming anything because he has a loss. Because either way he wins, he's in. Whether he came in undefeated or with the loss. Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I thought that was a misstep. You know, no matter who wins the match, I thought that was a misstep. Just have them both come in undefeated. Yeah, don't even don't even worry about tiebreakers. Just you know, the man who wins here 
will be outright the G1 champion because he has more points than the other guy type of thing. Right. That too. Like that would even work better too. Right. So, and then if Cobb wins now, it's like, well, then what the fuck did Okada lose the top? Of <laughs> right. I mean, that. I think to me that tipped off, you know, and that's why I kind of, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I was surprised about the 0%, but, uh, you know. Show surprise. I was surprised for the, the art of the show, Joe. But, like, you know, by tipping off, you know, losing to Tamatanga, it's just like, yeah. Because if Kyle just beats him, it's just like, oh, all right. Unless you want to really say that, like, the loss of Tamatanga shook Okada to his core. And he, you know, was on, you know, we're doing that story again, which I don't know if I want yeah. that story again. So, yeah. That's, that's the only way you could play it is that he was, re- I mean, he was just completely caught off guard by Tamatanga and couldn't get back on track and, and just did it. But, yeah, I don't know. You could just tell that story where Cobb just beats him, too. So. I don't know. But either way, that's what's going on. Uh, the uh, the twentieth again for the B block final, and then the eighteenth for the A block final, and then uh, the final date of the G one. Joe, I do not have it offhand. Let me get it real quickly here. It's Thursday. Yeah, I know it's what the hell's the date of that? I'm blanking 21st. on the twenty first. All right, so that will be the final night uh, of the G one. Uh, the twentieth and the twenty first is going to be at Budokan Hall, by the way. So. Yeah. Not that it matters. <laughs> Does venue really matter? I don't even know why I'm, I'm mentioning nah, venues, I don't care. So. <laughs> the A block finals on the 18th, and they take a day off. Yeah. And then the B block final and the final are back to back. Back to back nights. Yeah, yeah. At, at Budokan, so on the 20th and the 21st. So we'll do we'll do the G1 final on the show next week. Uh oh, right, yeah, because it'll be that morning. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the last show that I'll do behind the paywall is the show on the 20th. Right, yeah. Oh, so good programming out there. Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. You will not do a special G1 review of the final night. We'll just talk about the final night here on the flagship. I've never so. done the final night behind the paywall. We've always done it here. Yeah. And it works out fine because it's on it's on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. If it would have been on Friday or something, and then we have to wait a whole nother Yeah, week, that's, that's yeah, ice cold takes. Then, then, maybe, then maybe I would have thought about just doing it. But there's no reason, you know, we can get it watched by then, so... All right, we'll move on to uh, sticking in, in, in Japan here. We'll talk about Noah Pro Wrestling Noah. They had the Noah Grand Square 2021 in Osaka show on October 10th. Uh, the big news there, the main event: Nakajima defeats Naomichi Marufuji to win the GHC Heavyweight Title. 37 minutes, 18 minutes. Uh, what do you think of Kasuhiko Nakajima versus Marufuji here for the GHC Heavyweight Title in the main event? We'll talk about the rest of the show. I, I, I guess programming. Did you watch the entire show? I did. Yeah, I did. I'm all in on Noah now. I'm back in, Joe. Oh, you're back in. I'm back in. I don't know how long it's gonna last, but I'm back fraud. in. I'm, I'm back in. I well, I'm a, uh, yeah, unquestionably, I'm a fraud. That that's fine. You'll be so. back out because they'll do something dumb. No, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Um, but uh, for I now, lied. I'm in. There's, but for now, couple, I'm in. Actually, I'm looking at this. There's a couple matches I didn't watch, but um, I'm sure I can. Uh, I can. I can. Fill. Oh, uh, oh, wait a minute. Hold it's on. possible not because I I actually okay. So I didn't. Oh watch no, the I did semi. see that match. I did see that match. Okay. I didn't watch the semi because I was running out of time before the show, so I skipped to the main event. Oh, I got some takes about the semi. So. Well, all right. Well, you carry that. And there was like one undercard match, and I'm looking at that for some reason. I don't know. I just it turns out I actually missed one of the undercard matches, too, so we'll see if, if it's the same one. No, I didn't. No, never mind. I did not. I saw all of it. I saw all of it. All right. Let's talk about the GHC Heavyweight title match, Joe. Uh, Nakajima, yeah. Marufuji. Uh, Nakajima gets the win, defeats Marufuji. I will say, I guess my my, I don't, and I get, I don't know if this is a hot take. I haven't seen what people have said. I thought both the semifinals were better than this match. I did like this match, but I thought the semifinals were exceptionally good. I thought this match was very good, but 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 I didn't think it was on that level of of the semifinals. Wait, so you, do you mean 
the tag semi and the junior no, title no, match? No, 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 no. I mean the semifinals of the... the... Oh, of the N1. Yes. The semi- I, I should have prefaced N1. Not, oh, no, I agree. I do yeah. not think Aitokimi and Kano versus Sakuraman Keiji Muto was better than this main event. No, I do not. I... No, I agree I might think the the well, there's the junior heavyweight title match, and that'll be my we'll, we'll we'll save that for a bit. Maybe I thought that match was better, but uh, but no, I thought both and one semifinals were better than this match. Do you agree? I thought yo yeah, I thought Kano Kiyomiya and then Kano Nakajima were both better than this, but I liked this match. I I I thought Nakajima Marafuji was good. I thought Marafuji, you know, he he don't know he's work hard, but I thought he worked hard here and he was willing to take a beating. Um, which he really doesn't have to do at this point. But um, it was the right call. The right guy won. We've talked about it a million times. They've done the slow rebuilding of Nakajima. And I think that this title reign will go much better than his title reign did a few years ago, which may have been the worst drawing title reign ever. In no, I mean, I have to compare it to some others of any reigns of length anyway. Um. Because by the end of his title reign, he was drawing 900 to Corrigan, you know, in 2017, before COVID was even in anybody's vernacular. So um, that title reign did not go well from a business perspective. Everybody knew it. Everyone likes Nakajima, so we all felt bad about it, but it just didn't work. But they have successfully rebuilt him. He's a completely different um, persona at this point than he was then as sort of the baby face. Now he's, well, he's just this fucking awesome ass kicker now. And he's, he's been that really since he lost the title. So it was time to put it back on him. And it was the right call. There's no reason to have this title on Marafuji. I think it's very obvious that it was just a matter of Muto not wanting to lose to Nakajima. So they had to put the title on someone else first to, to get it to Nakajima because Muto has not done if I'm not mistaken, he has not done a job since he signed with Noah. Um, and, you know, whether that's them protecting him for the eventual big loss that he's going to have to somebody, presumably Kiyomiya, or whether that's because he just won't do it, uh, I don't know. But he's got some draws in there, and he's been on the losing end of some tag matches, and he did lose the title to Marafuji. But other than that, uh, he just hasn't done jobs. So I I think there's this was a situation where he probably didn't want to lose the Nakajima. So uh, he was willing to lose the Marafuji. And then Marafuji is sort of the transitional guy. And for Marafuji, it works out because you know damn well he didn't want to, you know, work an N1 tournament. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> no, <So>. man. <laughs> he's, so. he's living life, man. That's a classic, like, man, the, the life of a transitional champion is, is quite the thing. They're like, hey, you want to win the title? He's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Great. Do and, I have to do uh, the N one? No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so. Even better. Yeah, so. great. I'll see you guys in October. So. But the bottom line is the title's on the right person now. Yeah. I think his reign's going to go much better than his one did a few years ago. Um. And and it's it's gotten you back into it, but you know these Noah shows are good. They're hard hitting. It's it's a it's a different really style are, than man. you get with yeah. New Japan. They they it's really a different are style than you get with all Japan. It's a different style. You know, it's most conducive to COVID. I think their style. So uh, yeah, I look forward to where we go now with Nakajima. It's definitely they're definitely going to be title matches. I'm looking forward to more than when Muto was champion. We don't need to beat that dead horse. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Move on. And 
you know, um, it was the right guy won. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it was a, a nice culmination moment, and and let's just hope. And and I really truly do. I mean, that we've 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 done the Nakajima thing on the show. Where we've talked about it. We've really re- relitigated his his runs in the past. And like you said, there you know for 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 fair reasons and not fair reasons, it never felt like it really you know ever quite got going. You know, for for both you know personally and 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 the way Noah was built or whatever. It does feel like now is a great time for him though. I, I just I mean, he feels he's so much of a better wrestler now. He gets his persona a little bit. Uh, and, and that's not to say he wasn't a good wrestler before. I think he's just gotten that much better. I think he's really just one of the best in the world right now. Uh, he's got the character work down. He's got just a great looking, you know, asshole face to him. It's just it all works. Like the hair's good, the gear's good, the the work's good, the charisma's good. It's all there. So it's like I'm really excited to see where this goes, and 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 I'm really excited to see what you know the future holds uh, for the next you know weeks, months, whatever, however long it's going to run. Because yeah, I think he this is this feels like the f- the true reign for him this will be the career defining run for him hopefully i guess i should say hopefully the career defining run for him but uh he has certainly earned it and it's been a long long climb back up and and, and he finally got there and and yeah i mean i like this match i think it was really really good i just think we got so much good work from those other guys you, you know in the g1 semifinals and marifuji is is fine but he's he's totally slowing down now i mean it, it, it i think he was good here i think he was really really good here but like yeah he it, you know it's 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 you know it's Mare Fuji in 2021. You, you get what you can get. So yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, a big a big win here. Um, I like him doing it. You know, getting it. It's just yeah, it worked out pretty well. I, well, we should say though, after the match, Masato Tanaka came out to challenge him. So uh, Masato Tanaka versus Nakajima is going to be your first uh, defense here, uh, Joe. I believe that uh, Nakajima will successfully defend his title against Minor- uh, Masato Tanaka, but I can't guarantee that because it is no sour run guy. So. Um, my percent chance is, is, you know, 0.0001%, but I can't say zero. So no, I mean, yeah, he's that, that, <laughs> <be> awesome. <laughs> that shows you that they, that the title reign will have some legs because they're going to get him off to a good start with a beatable guy. And, um, and then he'll have his first real challenger after that match. Someone will probably challenge him. You know, what it'll be somebody will win a tag match on the undercard and score the pin and we won't really, it won't register. And then they'll come out at the end of the night and be the next challenger. Yeah. And we'll all be like, Oh, well that made sense. So, um, yeah, you know, I kind of thought, um, well, never mind. We'll talk about it when we get to it, but yeah, so he'll beat Tanaka and then we'll see where they go from there. Uh, we'll talk about the semi main here. Cause I think there's some important stuff here. It's Kano and Kaito Kiyomiya, uh, defeating Keiji Mudo and Kazushi Sakuraba. Kaito Kimi, we've been talking about it for a while now. Finally got the big win. He defeated Sakuraba after uh, Ijimoto and Sakuraba fucked up a doomsday device. So I didn't see the match. He got it, yeah. So what happened is, <laughs> to let you know what happened, I was not very good. I mean, obviously, it's, it's with that being said, it was you know, a 20-minute match thing, you know, with, with, with those guys involved. So the finish was um, Sakuraba has Kiyomiya on his shoulders. And Mudo goes to the top rope, and they're going to do the Shining Wizard Doomsday Device. You, you know, well, they've so. been teasing that. In the yes. So they've been teasing it. Then there's some miscommunication. Mudo's like, no, 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 too far. No, 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 come closer. <laughs> and then Sakuraba's like, ah, I can't, you know, what are you doing, man? Let's go. Let's just, just jump. We got to do this. And uh, hey, maybe work, maybe you shoot. And, 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 and Mudo's like, no, 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 bring him closer, closer, closer. And then as he's doing that, it takes too long. Kano gets back in the ring. He kicks Mudo off the top rope. Kiyomiya then jumps down, pushes Sakuraba into the ropes, does an O'Connor roll. And gets the the pinfall over Sakuraba. So, um, well, at least they played that into the finish that they were teasing. Yeah, 
you know, that whole that whole way. But you'd like to see Kiyomiya score a pin over this guy in a tag, maybe just to... Like, this would have been a great moment for that, because, yeah. you know, and, and, like, I get that maybe the roles had to be reversed because you wanted Mudo, but, like, what you could have done is, you know, Kano kicks Mudo off the top rope, and he falls into the ring, and then Kano, you know, or, or Kiyomiya gets off of, of Sakuraba's shoulders and sends him to the outside, and then Kano can kind of take out Sakuraba, and then, yeah, do whatever. Like, you've established that even if, you, if, if Mudo doesn't really want to take a big, you know, he doesn't want to take Kiyomiya's big move or whatever, you can establish that Kano knocked him out from the kick or whatever, if if, if that's enough. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a, a, a decent compromise there, that Kano knocked him out from the kick, and Kiyomiya just took advantage of, of, of that kick, and he still has to, you know, he beat him on this night, but he still has to do his move. He hasn't done his move to him yet. He hasn't beaten him, but, like, it's just beat him <laughs> like what are we doing just yeah. give him a tag match it's not a big... there's a way to do anything I mean, yeah could have you know but but you know that would be we talked about it that'd be the traditional booking where he gets him in a tag first right so he just had a draw he's getting a little closer gets him in a tag you know but like we said who knows if that's even the plan no yeah. who knows if that's even the plan for him to beat this guy eventually so um you know, they, yeah, they, the they did. Guy. They honestly, to me, they did more uh, in this match. And you can see if you ever watch it, they did more to tease kind of, you know, dissension between Sakuraba and Mudo than they really did, you know, teasing Kiyomiya finally getting the big win over, you know, the team. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, he didn't really get the big win over anybody. He got the big win over, you know, Sakuraba, which nobody was really, nobody cares. Well, I could see Sakuraba Muto doing a little program to. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. And that's a guy that's got that two year contract and he's a spry youngster. So you can do a lot of different things with him. (laughs) Sure. uh... We're a year in, right? When did he sign that, that bad boy? Probably about a year in, right? I think so. I wonder, I wonder what the time is. The KG, let me see if I can look up KG Mudo two year contract. What are the options here? That's uh, Oh God damn it. February 14th, man. Time does not fly in 2021. February. He signed the two year contract. So, okay. Well, Oh. February. We'll talk about this in February 2023, Joe. All the, uh, right. The big uh, Keiji Muto. What's he going to do on his final night in in Noah? So, um, yeah, a match that I think you could pretty safely skip if you wanted to, Joe. Not not that big of a deal. But uh, now we get to my hot take of the night: GHC Junior Heavyweight Title Match. You saw this one, correct? Yes. Okay. Hayata defeating Daisuke Hirata to retain his title. I like this better than the main event. Am I nuts? No. I thought it was great. These guys whooped the shit out of each other for 20 minutes. I thought might have been Hayata's best singles match. I mean, yes. I can't think oh, of another one. Oh, for sure. That also was going to be my uh, next to my note is best Hayata match ever. <laughs> best Hayata match I've ever seen, question mark. Because um, I, I have not seen him. In, I mean, Harada's great. I mean, I think there's probably many, 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 many times that we can find, you know, uh, uh, great examples of Harada. Who, who, by the way, how is this guy only 34 years old? He's been around. How is that possible? He's 30. He's the same age as me. How's that possible? Seems about right, doesn't it? No. <laughs> I thought he was like 41. I have in my notes like, wow, Harada hasn't missed a step. And then they're like, 34-year-old. I'm like, oh, man. Like, he's the same age as me. Like, I can't yeah, write. Like, wow, this guy's still got it. Like, you, you'd think, you know, he's starting to get up there in age, but he's still got it. I don't, I don't know, know why who, he had that impression. I, I don't I, know why. I, yeah, he feels like he's been around forever, though, right? He's, I mean, I never thought of him as, as an older wrestler. I, I don't mean, know why I, I did. Yeah, I don't know. He's been around it, a long time, though. That's, that's what I, sure. I, Yeah, like, because when did he make his debut? When was his, his, his Noah debut? I mean, we're talking like 2012 or something when he came in. Yeah, because he was doing stuff for, what, Osaka forever. And then. Probably yeah. like 2012. Yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, maybe I always thought of him as an old timer. Maybe I always. I mean, it's definitely a me thing because he's not like he doesn't look old. So it's definitely no. a me thing. But I don't know. I just I, maybe I'm mixing him up with somebody else. I, I don't know. Maybe because I I never really thought of him as an as an old guy. Um, but yeah, no, this was and he's had plenty of matches comparable to this one. But um, I can't think of a Hayata singles match that was this good. Um, the arm work. You know, yes. so you know the arm work was the was obviously the big piece of psychology here, and um, Hayata successfully defends the title. So I mean, it doesn't really matter what they do with their juniors; it's a train wreck, as we know. But um, Hayata's had the title for a while now. I mean, yeah, all through the summer, at minimum. I know you haven't really been paying attention. But um, you're not going to believe this. I think he had a defense against Yohei at one point in the summer. <laughs> I am stunned. I know. By that, I so. know you, you might not believe that. But um, didn't you watch that show? Let me pull I that think up. I did. Yeah, that, that does sound familiar. I may have I may have skipped that match or my eyes glazed over when it was happening. But uh... no, you definitely didn't watch that. That that you were out. I, we didn't talk about Marafuji Sakuraba title match, so you didn't. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I did not see that. So if it's on that show, I did not see that match. But I mean, it's very possible at some point over the last year, Joe, I have see, seen Hayata and Yohei face each other. See, because we had to punt on some of these Noah shows because Rich just isn't. Because <laughs> I was a grumpy and I wouldn't watch them. So, so um, no, but this was really, really good. I don't think it was. I don't think it was better than the main event, but. I'm not nuts, though, for thinking that, right? No. I mean, I, I I don't think you're an insane person because if you really were into that arm work and everything, and I think the main event probably went a tad too long. It did, yeah. I was kind of like, all right, I, I and and part of it I was spoiled, to be honest. I, I was not spoiled for Hayata and Harada. Like I watched it, you know, pretty recently, and I I, I don't remember who went who won. So that was kind of cool. I was like, oh shit, I don't remember who won. Nakajima, I knew very well that Nakajima was winning that. And hell, I would have known before, you know, if I didn't get spoiled either. So that kind of played a part in it. It did seem like a little, they were, you know, kicking each other, kicking. I'm like, all right, I, I get it, guys. Let's go. Let's. I, I get what you're trying to do here. Where, yeah, I thought Hayata and Harada was a nice, tight 20 minutes, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And like you said, Hayata smartly, you know, working over Harada's arm. Harada doing, I mean, he just didn't use that arm the rest of the match. He'd go up for like a body slam with one arm or whatever. He'd go up to the top rope and only use the one arm or whatever. And that was really cool. And then he kind of rallies and rallies and rallies. And you think he's got it, you think he's got it, you think he's got it, and then Hayata goes, yeah, I know your arm's fucked, and then just gets him in that arm hold, I forget exactly what it, what, what it was, bridges through it, Harada tries like hell, he's trying to reach over, he's trying to reach over, then he just kind of looks over and realizes, I'm, I'm fucked, this isn't gonna work, and just taps out, yeah, yeah and, and it's a really, really cool moment there, so, yeah, oh, to yeah, me, but... far and away the best Hayata match I've ever seen, so. It, it didn't overcomplicate things, you know, just good stuff. Yeah, just classic pro wrestling, yeah, just classic pro wrestling yeah. 101, for sure. Um, all right, then, uh, you know what, let's, hmm. The junior well, tag title match. Yeah, you want to go junior tag titles? All right, so this is a quick one, Joe, because yeah. we have to go very long. Uh, Eita and Nosawa out of the question. They defeat Katoga and Ohara to win the tag team titles in four minutes and four seconds. Yes, four minutes and four seconds. And what's interesting about that, like, they were going, man. This match, the bell rang, and Eita and Katoga and Harara and, and a little bit of Nosawa are going boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, hey, this thing's getting pretty good. And all of a sudden, boom, done, boom, ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, what happened here? How did this happen? Is it Nosawa's like, nah, man, I ain't going more than five minutes. Get the hell out of here. So well, they went with a flash pin. I mean, I, I thought I didn't, I didn't mind it. It was cool. It just kind of took me completely by surprise. It just did not feel like it was going to happen. I felt like Eita and Nosawa winning was like a lock, like the lock at a center. Oh no, no, no. I, I'm with you there. Yeah. 
because it really felt like on the uh, on the N1 final show that they were getting behind Ata. And I really think the crowd on that show, he really got over with the crowd too on that show. So, and this felt like just a prime time, like unless Ata literally was only booked for this show and they were never bringing them back, they were going to win the match. So um, the Katoge O'Hara team, um, I would often forget that they were champions. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I coming too, on this yeah. show and talking about oh, I never fucking do anything with O'Hara. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was literally the champion. He's a tag champion. <laughs> yeah, like ah, what are they um, going to do something with this guy? <laughs> like, but that may have been because they've been trading him back and forth. But I, I don't. know. But the point here is, um, this felt like a title change to me, and it was. And I thought it was, you know, look, <laughs> I'm not going to complain about four minute matches on these on some of these Pearl shows right now. So, you know, you want to mix something like that in and do a finish like this, then I don't have any problem with it. So, and this is a grimy-ass team. Yeah, and it kind of worked. I mean, them getting that, that quick win is just grimy. Ata gets the mic, and they clap for him, and he says, don't clap. I don't need your pathetic claps or whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, man. Like, how do you not love these dudes? They're just grimy as fuck, and it just it works. It's pretty awesome. So, Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, Ata fits um, like a glove in this grime grime ass team so uh uh there you go yeah so it'll be interesting to see how those uh those matches uh, uh go moving forward so all right what was the match i don't want to i don't want to wh- which one did you not watch in this undercard i did not watch um Kotero suzuki and yohei versus seiki yoshioka and yoshinori oh yeah you didn't miss much you didn't miss much there did Ogawa now he's out with an injury? Did it look like he got hurt in that match? Or, or did you, uh, you know, it? I didn't notice it, but then when I was done watching it, I did see people say that, but I didn't notice the moment when it happened. So, so no, okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was obvious to, to people that were paying attention to it. I didn't know until like that's one of those things that I wish I had known going into the match that he got hurt or that he was hurt because then I would kind of be like, oh, there it is, or whatever. I don't know if I noticed that. I don't know if I ever uh, saw that happen. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if it was in this match or not. To be honest. Yeah, so I, I know he's going to miss some shows, but I don't know if it was a progressive thing or something that happened in the match. Yeah. But uh, that's that's the match I didn't see. Now, we had um, the M's Alliance, Mochizuki, Masakatsu Funaki, and Masato Tanaka, who we talked about before, and they beat uh, Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Takashi Sugera. Now, listen, I thought this was really good. And I don't really mind any of these old fucks in the middle of the card like No, this, this is the match to use and, them, man. Yeah, this is the match to yeah. use them. That M's Alliance team rules, though, to be honest. Yeah, that, yeah. That's oh, a great yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, that team rocks. Team. <laughs> yeah. And I guess Mochizuki's going to do some more matches with them. I thought for sure that the the Ironhead team was going to win. Because, you know, Tor, maybe Mochizuki's going back to Dragon Gate or whatever after his little. But no, the M's Alliance team did win. And... Kendo Kashin, for some reason, at the end of the match, was up in the fucking rafters. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I was so confused because yeah. they're doing the challenges. They're all kind of like, all right, you know, doing the, the post-match, you know, old Japanese guys just yelling at each other. And all of a sudden, they cut to the rafter. How did he get that high? Like, I, I swore he was in the match. And then five seconds later, five minutes later, whatever, he's like in the farthest reaches of the arena. Like, he's so far away. The well, camera, you can barely shit, see him. Right? I know. Yeah. I was like, what? What's he doing? And then he just went, ah, he made that reaction or he went, ah, <laughs> you know, you know exactly the reaction I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The coach is like, ah, I don't need this shit. And then he just left. So, yeah. So now this uh, is I the mean, way yeah. you use Ken and I'll enjoy it. You know, I don't mind these old guys doing some meat slapping in the middle of the yeah, park. No, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't want them holding the top title. That's all, you know? Um, so yeah, I didn't see that. 
Suzuki and Yohei versus Yoshioka and Ogawa match. We kind of covered that. And then uh, we had the prelims, one of which was uh, the former Alejandro with Manabu Soya as his partner here. And they beat Junta Miyawaki and Masakitamiya. I don't know. It was the third match on the card. What yeah, there wasn't. A, yeah, I really don't know that I have a, a, a super hot take about it. It was it was fine, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't that great. So we had Funky Express, Akatoshi Saito, Muhammad Yone, and King Tani. <laughs> what do you? I, I know you you uh, you're not the biggest fan of of these types of gimmicks. What do you think of Funky Express though? I think King Tani is owning it. He's killing and I it. Think, and I think Akatoshi Saito looks like he'd rather be doing anything. <laughs> yes, other. that was that was my note there. The best part is they come out to this like amazing song, which I'm trying to figure out what the song is. Uh, I asked Mark Pickering, and he was like, oh, it's, you know, Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind & Fire. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. I promise you it's not. I think I understand the confusion, though. They used to use that song. They used to use that song. They used it after they won. They didn't use it coming down. Oh, God. I didn't even notice that. Okay. So I I apologize to Mark because I'm upset at Mark. I'm like, Mark, don't don't, don't lay me out like that. Because now people think I don't know Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind & Fire. I know Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind & Fire. I'm wondering about what the song, their walk-up song was. Because even he yeah. goes, wow, that's a funky tune. <laughs> and he says, man, what's that song? They've never used that one before. And I'm like, I want to know. I need to know. But what so that happens is this, like, just imagine the most 70s disco song you've ever heard in your life. That's the song that comes out. And the first band that comes out is Akatoshi Saito. Yeah. And they're just like, you know, People rainbow so lights everywhere. There's lights everywhere. It's like, it's just like, motherfucker. And he just walks out with his, you know. His grandma hair it just doesn't want to be bothered at all. He does have grandma hair. <laughs> and it's just good description. It's just amazing. Um, you get to it's 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 the Susumu, you know, with the natural vibes, but even better because it's just like it's fucking Akatoshi Saito. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Susumu just doesn't really want to dance and is not good at dancing, but he's a good sport about it. Akatoshi Saito looks like he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like and he doesn't care. He's like, whatever. They're like, hey, what do you want to come out to? And he's like, all right, whatever. Who cares? And then they pick that song. And he's like, no, not oh, God damn it. All right, fine. I'll yeah. walk up. It's cool. I, I'm I'm a big fan of King Tani. I I I I'm I'm in. So I'm into Funky Express right now. So yeah, Tanaguchi at least is owning it. And they always seem to uh beat these bottom Congo guys like a drum. So it was just a little opener for the fans. And then Daiki Anaba. And Kai Fujimura beat Kenya Okada and Yasutaka Yano, who these are their uh, basically their young boys. Yano, I think, is still a rookie. And the other dude, Kenya Okada, um, he, which is the older one? I think Okada is the older one. And, I think you're right, but yeah, I don't know for yeah, sure. Yeah. And the other guy, um, came from Wrestle 1 with Anaba. The Kai Fujimura was the Wrestle 1 guy. So, um, it was basically the Wrestle 1 guys beating the Noah Young boys. So, and it was, you know, nothing special, what it looks like on paper. But overall, I thought it was a, you know, I an easy watch. Yeah, an easy watch for sure. None of the undercard matches, I think, you know, overstayed their welcome. A good main event, uh, a really good junior heavyweight title match, and a lot of other stuff that was pretty solid. So, yeah. Thumbs up. and. Yeah. It was free to watch on Wrestle Universe, so not bad. I even dabbled in a little Tokyo Joshi Pro, Joe. Do you know that? Yeah. Watch the Wrestle Princess too. Well, you do you. Don't watch. I I will not. I will tell you right now. Even though I liked it, there is, and I think you would like it to an extent. There is something that happens in the final two minutes of the match that would enrage you like no other. So I'm not. But even what is it? I'm never going to watch it. What is? Okay, it? so they have a really good back and forth match. They're just kicking the hell out of each other, beating the hell out of each other. Good stuff. Really, really good stuff from that point. 
So what happens is um, Maki Ito gets knocked down by a big kick. And her way of selling is she just screams and starts crying. Oh, come As on. in, like, it's over, I'm going to lose. I've heard enough. I, I, I... And, like, I don't mind that, like, after the match is done. Like, I don't mind the one, two, three, and then the realization that, fuck, I lost. That's it. The problem is she has that realization while the match is still going on. And it's like, man, if you got the energy to scream and cry, just get up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't use that energy now. Like, when you get knocked down in wrestling, that's supposed to be, like, the, you know, you're getting your breath back. You're getting your energy back. You're, 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 you know, just been knocked down. You're just in tremendous pain. But she's, like, screaming and crying and, like, throwing a fit because she knows it's over. She knows that she's going to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's it's just it's kind of dorky, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like it's so it was really good up until that point. But like that's why I was just like, I can't even recommend this to Joe because I was thinking, oh, I don't know, I I might be able to recommend this one to Joe, and then that that spot happened, and I was like, I can't. Joe's gonna hate it. Joe's gonna get really upset about it, and and, and he's not gonna like it, and he's not gonna have a good time. But uh, I think it was pretty damn solid. Uh, the production of uh, of Tokyo Joshi Pro is not bad uh, as well. On Russell Universe, they actually have English commentary too. It's Chris Brooks. And uh, Aki, I think, is 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 the guy's name. He's he's one of the Chaco Pro guys, unfortunately. So that might also. But uh, Chris Brooks is pretty good at commentary. He's pretty damn good. I did not think really? he'd be that good. He's really good. I was like, man, who is this? And people are like, Chris Brooks. And I was like, really? Like he's not bad. He's got a he's got a future in that. I think it's not bad. He's he's, he's got a good voice. He 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 obviously knows the stories uh, of Tokyo Joshi Pro. I thought he was really good. I was kind of taken aback by how good he was. So um, well, he's fine. He's found himself a niche over there. You know, oh yeah! Credit. Don't leave, man. He's he's killing it over there. He got out of that dead scene, and you know he's found himself a niche, and and uh, you know he was a guy who didn't even have a hint of any accusations or anything like that. So uh, he keeps his nose clean, and it's you know it, it, he's really found himself a really good niche, kind of like Zack Saber Jr. He just he's found himself a niche over there, and. Um, He's carved himself out a full-time career in another country, and, and good for him. Um, you know, I wouldn't watch Choco Pro if it was happening right in front of me, but, you know, it, it, different things for different people. Um, you know, Maki Ito, she just, I can't take it. I mean, what you're describing to me just sounds like the antithesis of what I want in my pro wrestling. But, uh, but yeah, it seems like he's found himself a cool little gig, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he backdoors his way into AEW through the through the connection with uh, with Gato Move and Chaco Pro and all that shit. So, um, yeah, I mean, good for him. Uh, but, yeah, check that out. So, it's free. Why not? So, that's, uh, that's a good thing about Wrestling Universe as well is that, uh, yeah, you can watch all this stuff. And uh, production's been good, English commentary and all these things. So, it's uh, pretty good stuff there. So, uh, Joe, we're going to get into a few other things. I do have to let you know this episode of the Voices Wrestling flagship podcast is sponsored by our friends at MyBookie, and you can head to MyBookie.ag to choose from a variety of boosts and free bets and get in on the fan-favorite $100,000 Super Contest, which only costs $10 to enter. We talked about that a lot. Uh, what I want to talk about on this show, though, is the boost and the free bets because we had another one this week, the debut of the Seattle Kraken. Joe, what was the free bet here? It was just somebody scores a goal in this game, right? It was just someone scores a goal, you win. There you go. What I think three minutes in, <laughs> the Golden Knights scored a goal. So. Yeah. You got twenty five free dollars, 
by somebody scoring a goal in the Kraken Golden Knights game. It took you three minutes to cash out on that. So that those free bets, you got to be aware of those. You got to understand. We we will usually let you guys know on the show. We'll usually make it aware. But I mean, you got to mybookie.ag. You go there. Use that promo code Voices. You double your first deposit. So again, you use that promo code Voices. You put twenty five dollars in. They put twenty five dollars in. You put a hundred dollars in. They'll put a hundred dollars in. Uh, they'll double your money. So you can double your winnings. Uh, with that first ever deposit using that promo code voices at mybookie.ag, but they're pretty good about announcing those too. So that's why we say get on there, get on mybookie.ag and be aware of those. I mean, those boosts and those free bets, they're literally free money. They're just, like you said, that one took three minutes to hit. Some are a little tougher. Some are, there are some that are just layups and you get 25 free dollars, which that's not bad. 25 free dollars for doing nothing. Joe, it took what? Five seconds to make that bet. And then you got $25. Not bad. So you can do that at mybookie.ag. Promo code voices. Again, you do that to double your first deposit. Uh, you put $500 in. They'll put $500 in at promo code voices, mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie, mybookie.ag. Again, promo code voices. And I'm not aware of any boosts or free bets for this weekend, but obviously you got NFL action, college football, baseball playoffs, NBA, getting some NBA futures bets in there uh, as, as well uh, as the season's coming up next week. So yeah, plenty, plenty of stuff uh, to do. Yeah. What, is, can you believe basketball's coming back like next week? I know. NBA is back know. next week. When does college basketball tip off? Uh, chances are they're going to have an odds boost for when NBA starts. Too, I would they... imagine. Keep an eye on that. Yeah. I haven't seen anything yet, but I'd imagine they're going to do like, you know, over under a hundred points in a game, and that will clearly hit. <laughs> you know, sometimes they, in the second quarter that'll hit. So, uh, because they do one for um every sport when the season starts. So I would imagine they'll have some kind of wacky odds boost prop that's a basically an unlosable bet. Yeah, LeBron James scores. <laughs> so, well, I mean, uh, you know, it's barring a, barring an injury or whatever. But yeah, check check that out, mybookie.ag. But yeah, it seems so wild that uh, yeah. Or, or sorry, that was my question. When does college basketball start? Uh, I think the first or second week of November, November 9th, I think. Wow, yeah. So I always remember, big... I always remember the NBA season starting like around like October, like late October, like Halloween or the the week. And they have obviously to make the season a little bit, you know, stretch it out, give some people a little bit more rest. They start it now like mid October, and it's it's nuts. I got a thing at my work. They're like, hey, you want to join the fantasy basketball? And I'm like, we got plenty of time. They're like, no, we have like next week. And I, I I'm going to do you know, hopefully an NBA intelligentsia, uh, Patreon.com/slash Voices of Wrestling. So yeah, a lot of stuff coming up quickly for the NBA season. So. I gotta get ready, man. Gotta gotta do my research. Get ready. Get those bets in. Get those futures bets in. Last year I did not hit on any of them, but uh, I hit on one. Sorry, I hit on one. Portland Trailblazers over. I hit on the win total over. Oh, they had him at like thirty or thirty-five or something like that. And I was like, get out of here. They're gonna win more games than that. And they won. I forget like forty-two or something like that. Forty. No, they won it. Yeah. What the hell did Portland? They won a they won a decent amount of games last year, if I remember correctly. But uh, I did have Luka Doncic as uh, MVP. That did not happen, and I had the Nuggets going to the finals, and that uh, did not happen. Eighty-two either, game so. season this year, right? Uh, yeah, full full slate this year. Yeah. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers were forty-two and thirty. So yeah, they had them at like thirty-five, and I was like, nah, 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 that's not gonna happen. So. Never, it always feels good to win a bet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can lose two, but I won the one. So I really I needed that Nuggets, man, because I thought I was being so slick. The Nuggets winning the Western Conference was like so low, and then they were so good all year. And I'm just sitting there. I'm Joe. I'm counting the money before it's cash. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> and then the playoffs came, and then Jamal Murray got hurt, and then uh, just like little by little, I I opened the window, and the money went right out of there. Yep. And uh, did not did not end up working out. So. We'll see uh, about this year, but uh, anyway, let's uh, let's talk uh, some some indie stuff in America to kind of close out the show here. We got MLW Fightland that was uh, last week. 
Uh, we kind of previewed it last week where we said we don't know what matches exactly are going to uh, show up on the air. Uh, we've been trying to keep up with MLW a little bit. You're doing MLW stuff for the Thursday tier reviews uh, over at patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. So uh, I watched Fightland as well because big time show, big time main event. Uh, what we had here, we had three matches or two matches. Sorry. We had a uh, very bizarre segment that we'll have to talk about in a bit. Uh, and a big news clip that I think we'll start out here with is that Will Ospreay coming to MLW in the fall. Yeah, did you notice they blew their big reveal by, with bad editing? Yeah, so I, you said that, and then I didn't. I watched the show many days later. And yeah. I'm like, what are they talking about? Because they're like, Will Ospreay, come to MLW. And I'm like, no, they, they did it fine. And then like Alicia comes on, and she's like, I have big news for you. And I'm like, yeah. Will Ospreay is coming to MLW. I'm like, I know, you just played a video about it. So, um, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what you was talking about. They clearly just like ran the video, and then, yeah, and then like. Six minutes later, she's like, guys, breaking news. I was like, oh, well, not really. Yeah, and getting, like, live reactions from <laughs> Raj Geary and, and Andres Hale and all these people. And uh, Dave Meltzer and I and, uh, forget who the other guy was. Like, it was some gigantic reveal, but they ran that commercial bumper yeah, first. I, I think that's supposed to run after that. So they kind of blew their big reveal. But, uh, yeah, that's a big get, obviously, for them. And, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of stuff they do with him. Um, I don't know if a Hammerstone match is a good fit. You probably want to get him in there with some of those middleweights. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see. It says coming in the fall. Well, it is the fall. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm not but. sure. I think he was, I want to say he was announced for one of the show. Let me double check to see. I thought that something came out that he was announced for one of the dates. Um, oh, it, it make his debut in December, apparently. So I, I put the fall. Apparently it was December. Uh, they will appear, da, 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 Osprey will appear for the company in December when they return to New York City at the Melrose Ballroom. So we don't have a date on that yet, but sometime in December, they're going to the Melrose Ballroom. Yeah. So there you go. For Osprey to make his MLW debut. All right, let's talk about the two matches that appeared on the show, though. We had uh, the w, uh, MLW World Middleweight Championship match, Tajiri, Myron Reed, Rez. And Aramis Tajiri gets the win. He mists and kicks his way to the MLW World Middleweight Championship. I mean, he stayed out of the way. If you notice, like he didn't yeah, really... I that, I was kind of concerned when I saw because I got a spoiler that he won, and I was just like, oh, man, what are they going to do? He, you forgot he was in this match during a lot of the periods, and they did that as like design. Like at the end, like uh, those guys read. Ares, Ares and, and Aramis are just bouncing all over the ring, doing all this sort of crazy stuff. And then Sajiri just slides in, miss, kick, and he wins. And that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, and and he really just... He wasn't a major part of the match until the finish. I mean, he kind of just stayed out of the way. And Ares and Aramis did all there. You know, those guys work together basically on a nightly basis. And um, so, you know, I don't like him winning the title. I, I just I think he's washed up. But... If they feel like there's name value there, I don't feel like he got any kind of great reception in the in the in the building in the ECW. Yeah, arena. and this is the former ECW arena for people that don't know. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was uh, it was good, but not like oh man, you got to put you know, got to strap this guy up and 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 use this to sell tickets. Like I I didn't get that perception whatsoever. We've just seen too much. You know, we know what he brings to the table now, and it's not much. And I mean, so, it's it's Tajiri. I mean, yeah, Tajiri's a. a you know, at one point was a pretty big star, but I don't know. We're, we're, I think we're pretty past that. I mean, honestly, think of the last time Tajiri was like truly relevant. Well, relevant or good? Cause well, 
However you want to answer that. Good, yeah, it's been a little bit, so. He finds a way to be relevant no matter where he goes. But, yeah, he Tajiri hasn't been Tajiri in a long time. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um. I just mean, I like, if you're, if you, so you're, like, uh, you know, an ECW, because they're trying to play on the ECW arena thing. I mean, dude, we're, that's like, it's done there in 2000, 2000, right? Like, I don't even, I forget if you, he even lived through yeah, the, around, the early parts of 2001 logo. or whatever, but like, all logo right. And then, like, there. you know, he was a relatively big deal in WWE from like 2001 to like, you know, 2003 or so. And then it was kind of done, you know, like, so. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm underrating Tajiri's star power, but yeah, I, I he got exactly the reaction I thought he was going to get. But I, I wonder if if they thought he was going to be a bigger nostalgia guy. I don't know. I mean, he's a name from a long time ago at this point. Yeah, the point yeah, yeah, yeah. In America, it's it's right. There are there are people listening to this that have never like watched a live like TV. I mean, he was in the Cruiserweight Classic. I I, I know he was in that, but like, that's yes, he was. Yeah, um, he had to have been in TNA or Impact at some point, right? Oh man, I forget. He had to, Imagine right? There's no to. way that they let him slide without coming in. Everyone's been to TNA. Yeah, as as we're finding on the on the, uh, the TNA podcast here on this very network, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, people every single week they'll do a show and they're like Vader. That's our show. And people are like what? Vader? No way. Vader yeah. wasn't an impact. And they're like he was <laughs> twice. <laughs> and then yep. like Mr. Per- I mean that blew people's mind about Mr. Perfect. Kurt Henning. Yeah, they were like, no way. And then there's the picture of like this bloated, you know, weird looking Kurt Hennig there in Impact, and it's uh, all right. So I did find the Tajiri TNA run, Joe. They did bring him in to build to one of our favorite shows of all time, Bond for Glory 2014. Oh yeah. So he came in. He did a Manhattan Center run. He teamed with Austin Aries against James Storm and Sonata. Then he was in the Gold Rush tournament. <laughs> he defeated Robbie E. But then, unfortunately, in the Gold Rush Tournament 5-way, he lost to Austin Aries. So, um, then, TNA Bound for Glory 2014, Tajiri, all caps, and the Great Muda defeat the Revolution, James Storm, and the Great Sonata. Yeah, that's when... <laughs> we got to watch that show. If we have to do like a, a, a Patreon deep dive with this show again. That was a fun segment. That's one of my that... favorite shows ever. <laughs> That was Sonata, as the great James Sonata, Storm's, as as James Storm's young boy. Yeah. On TV. Yeah, and uh, somehow TJP was in the mix. With that. <laughs> and Shira, wasn't it? Um, yeah, dude. So the the Bound for Glory 2014. It's just an absolute blur that it was at Corican Hall. There are new listeners that do not know about this, but this is an all. I, I don't know if this uh, episode is available. If you can find it in archives, I have no idea. It might be tough to find at this point because. Our old podcast provider just decided to delete everything. But that was like, I think that's all we talked about for three hours was this show. It was just so yeah. amazing. It was it was a great show, too. It was like, it wasn't great in the sense that the work was great, but it was just fun as fuck. You have Mike Tanay and Taz in Corican Hall. It's TNA and Wrestle One. You have Minoru Tanaka versus TJP. Ethan Carter III versus Hama. Ryote Hama. Big boy. People that don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. MVP for Cosmos Sakamoto. X Division title, Samoa Joe, Cass Hayashi, and Loki. I mean, this is incredible. Yeah. And Andy Wu make an appearance, which just ruined the rest of the show because Taz was obsessed with saying obsessed Andy Wu. With Andy Wu. Yeah. <laughs> just, he was like, hey, today, what about that Wu guy? And today's like, all right. Like, it's like, you know, the TNA women's title was like Havoc versus Velvet Sky. And he's like, hey, uh, uh, you think we'll see Eddie Wu again? He's like, I don't, no, I don't think we're going to see Eddie Wu again. 
He was obsessed. Yeah. Andy, woo, 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 woo. Maybe he just kept saying, woo, 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 woo. Like, I don't know if he was he was on the sake or whatever, but man, he was just obsessed with it. The Team 3D thing, you alluded to this pretty recently, I think, on our Discord. Uh, is this when they ran their Bullet Club angle? They were inducted into the <laughs> TNA Hall of Fame. Do you weekend. remember that segment? Yeah, it was like so- a little dusty conference room <laughs> it was a conference room and they shot it in a way that you never saw the audience yeah but they like added audio to make it sound like there was like forty thousand people there so it's like doo, doo, doo. you know they're playing the music and they're like welcome the 2014 tna hall of famers team 3d and it's like and you know bully ray and devon are out there in their suits and they're waving you never see the crowd because it was probably Dixie, room. it was probably a circular table, a cameraman Dixie and like you know one other guy or whatever, and you know they're doing the they're doing like the Hall of Fame speech, you know the WWE Hall of Fame speeches are, and they're working the crowd. Even though there's probably like twenty, they probably made the locker room show up at least, at the very least, the locker room show up. Yeah, but so they they get inducted to the Hall of Fame, but then carry on. Yeah, and then they they tried to shoot their own angle. They lit two <laughs> Bullet Club shirts on fire to try to shoot their own angle. And of course, they got no sold. I mean, completely no sold. Because um, as people know now, it's seven years on. Um, you know, they were obviously never part of New Japan, so they they tried to angle themselves into New Japan, shoot their own angle, and it failed miserably. It's just a show full of lore that Bound for Glory. <laughs> yeah. It's just full of lore. <laughs> and the main show. event, the main event of Bound for Glory 2014, is the Tajiri Great Muda James Storm Great Sonata match we talked about. Yeah, the main event. <laughs> it's bound for glory. Yeah, get Kirk into it. Hall. It's just yeah, that was an incredible show. We definitely yeah. need to go back and, and revisit that show uh, at some point. So, um, oh God, knocked out films. Because of a great, great point in the chat room. That was the exhibition title match that got spoiled. Remember the controversy that like oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah, somebody yeah, came yeah, out yeah, with yeah. the title and there was like you know. Oh my god! There's so much lore on that show. I forgot. It was like a, 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 a fucking crisis that they you know came out and basically just said, ah, we don't care. Here's the result. And like people were like, you know, in Japan they were like, how dare you? You know, because okay, to give you people an idea, in 2014 when we were talking about it at the time, in America they don't give a shit. Who cares? This guy's coming on on for tapings. He's the champion. Whatever. You know, they they didn't care. But in Japan, you don't do that. You know what I mean? You don't spoil a title match that you're going to present right. in in Japan. And TNA just didn't care. And Japan got like, like Russell One and, and Japanese media were on TNA. Like, how dare you have so disrespect for us? It was just yeah. a classic, like, somehow TNA fucked up everything possible. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not understanding the culture and, and how the wrestling works with the, with the spoilers. Yeah. Oh, no. I... Is Sean Cedar right about this? Was this a Typhoon tweet, too? That I don't know. <laughs> oh my been, god! Though. If this is the because when else tweet. would it have been? When it else had the storm to be. Is coming? It had to be. Oh dear God! Okay, so if know. you don't know, yeah, please let people know about this. Oh, we got to do a show about this. So there was a typhoon coming, about to hit Japan. Right, like a real life typhoon that's gonna like destroy lives and kill, kill people, people and stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. So Dixie Carter. <laughs> <laughs> I miss she TNA. Photo- this TNA doesn't exist anymore, man. This whatever impact is, it's not this company anymore. She photoshops James Storm's face on like the on the satellite right, like the Weather footage. Channel. Go to Weather cha- yeah. Go to Weather.com or whatever like the thumbnail is for the main story of a typhoon coming to Japan. She copied that and put James Storm's face like in the, the satellite middle. map. Like right, the, the right, map. right. 
So she puts his face on the uh, on the typhoon that's heading to to offshore, coming to Japan, <laughs> with the caption, "A storm is coming!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! You know, uh, making light of the typhoon <laughs> and saying that James Storm is is the right. storm that's coming to Japan. Yeah. That had to be the same show because when else were they back in Japan? Like that had to be it. That had to be right. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that that show deserves a deep dive. I, like, that's what I said. It's just... not not even like a Joe and Rich review it for yeah. an hour. Like we got to go in. Like we got to do three hours about this. Yeah, incredible. Oh my god, I did not realize the lore. Oh, the lore of a uh, so of much this. lore. Uh, so but anyway, much. that was Tajiri. That's our recap of Tajiri's career. Uh, yeah. All right, so then we had uh, the announcement, the video announcement of Will Ospreay, and then the studio announcement of Will Ospreay, this very bizarre segment. Uh, it was Alicia, it was Raj Giri, Andreas Hale, who was the other? Oh, I'm, I feel bad that we're going to... Emilio Sparks. Emilio Sparks, that's right. Emilio Sparks. And then live via satellite. The other people are in the building. They're there, live via satellite. Dave Meltzer with a, uh, <laughs> a, <laughs> a dot of blood on his chin. Because he had clearly just shaved, and then he cut himself shaving. So just shaved. He <laughs> he cut himself shaving, and then and then went on camera after he cut himself shaving. Poor Dave. Which is fair. Like, you, there's nothing Poor you can Dave. do. That's why I don't shave. Because it's like, yeah. you know, I can't I can't afford to have a, have a cut. So, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's because you know he was like, "Honey, I got I got to shave. I'm going to be on TV tonight or whatever." And then and you know, like if you've ever nicked yourself shaving, there's no worse feeling. It's not because it hurts. It's just you're like, "Fuck," you know what I mean? Because it's annoying. It never yeah. stops bleeding for some reason. Never. It's the worst cut you'll ever have. It just gushes blood for hours on end. Yeah. It sucks. It's like it's like when you are cutting your dog's nails and you nick one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It never stops bleeding. Like, the dog is just going to bleed to death. That's You nick yourself shaving, it just won't fucking <laughs> you're just, stop. Just, you're just going to die, yeah. And it's never at a convenient moment. You never nick yourself shaving on a Saturday morning when you're just going to sit at home. It's always right before a wedding, right before a funeral, right before you're going to do something. And... No one's going to let you off the hook either. Just like we're not letting Dave off the hook. Nobody lets you off the hook. Right before the big work review. Right. Uh, work, yeah. Something at work. A, a presentation. It's never just on a dumb day when you're not doing anything. It's always on a big day. And you show yeah. up and someone's goes like, ah, I did a pretty good, <laughs> ah, a pretty good job on your face there. Hey, you okay? How you doing? Like some dumb comment. And you're like, I, yeah, I know. I know. I yeah. know. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to go on the air for MLW with, yeah. uh, with, your, with your bleeding chin. With blood trickling down your chin. So, <laughs> was it actually trickling? It was just no. Like blood. It was just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just, I was like, I thought it was just a little like two two red spots, two red <laughs> yeah. spots on the working the, working uh, doing color doing color in MLW. I appreciate it. It's yeah. probably you know it's it's probably still not leaving the house a lot with the pandemic and probably just shaved an hour before they showed up. And well, he, he claimed time. on Observer Radio today that he he still shaves all the time. Did you hear that story on Observer Radio? Well, yeah, I did. Yeah, that, that <laughs> the was, mustache. Yeah. yeah. The mustache, yeah, Missy Hyatt. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so this uh-huh. segment was very strange and very weird. They're they're gonna keep doing these, right? Allegedly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a decent idea, but I get it. You're getting like legit news people in there. You're getting people. Yeah, I I, I don't hate it. It's just it came across kind of funky, and maybe it's with time. Maybe it's one of those things that within time it'll it'll, it'll end up working out pretty well. Yeah. And be a decent segment. I, I think there's a way to definitely do it to, to make it work. So uh, it was just kind of weird. Smack dab in the middle of this because uh, you had all the momentum from the middleweight title match. Uh, and then you get this, you know, big glut of, of time in the middle 
uh, to do the studio show, and then you get the title for title main event here. No disqualification. Uh, Alex Hammerstone, the openweight national champion, versus Jacob Fatu, the MLW world heavyweight champion. They've been building this for, God, what, a year and a half at this point? Two years uh, at this point, title for title. Uh, decent match. I liked it. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was like tremendous. I don't think it's like, a, oh my God, you got to go out of your way to watch this. I think solid work. Like I didn't hate that I watched it. I didn't feel like I wasted any time, but I don't know. It was, it was good, but, but, but not great. What would you think? Well, Hammerstone fucked up his ankle. He couldn't even do the nightmare pendulum to finish it. Yeah. So, cause he couldn't get the guy up. I thought, um, yeah, for people that know, he rolled his ankle real bad, like real, real bad. He, he gave a, he put a picture up there later and it was. Horrific. Like the idea that he even finished that match is 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 an accomplishment. Yeah, and I thought it, it was the best Hammerstone match in a while because he has not looked good. He has not looked good in the ring. The mods Kruger matches are an absolute disaster. Um, he, you know, I, I I guess he's had a couple of decent matches. The Tom Lawler match, he was blown up, and then it had a really weird finish. Um, so this was the best Hammerstone match in probably years. I mean, I feel comfortable saying that he just hasn't looked good. He blows up a lot in the ring. I think he's uh, carrying too much weight. But uh, he gutted his way through this with the injured ankle, and I and I thought they had a an entertaining like you know three and a half star match. So, and Hammerstone won, which is what people you know have been waiting for for a while. So they're gonna put you know the, the double title. I'm sure he'll give up the the uh, what uh, the national title yeah. or whatever. But um. You know, he's been getting the mega push, the rocket strap, since really he's been there. And they finally paid it off. And now, you know, we see, uh, you know, what they do with him. And if the show ever ends up back on Vice, I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. It was on one time. This was on Vice. I can't. For the life of me, I cannot explain to you the MLW setup for TV. I have no clue. So anybody asking. Fusion is still on YouTube. Yeah. Fusion Alpha. I don't know what the difference between Fusion Alpha and Fusion is. I, I don't. I have no clue. Completely yeah. lost, and it, it's not. A, it wasn't on Vice this week. Um, I don't think it's on Vice here. Dark Side, they're running Dark Side all night tonight. What? What? What is it supposed to be? Wednesday is that? Uh, what they run it on Wednesday? They ran it on Thursday. They ran it on Thursday, October seventh was the first fight land. Thursday. Okay, so let's see what's going on next Thursday. As Joe reads. Cable guy, <laughs> classic seven of Joe reads a cable guy flying in the air. No, it's just Dark Side of the Ring all night. Yeah. Four episodes or three episodes, whatever. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know. I thought they were supposed to have a show on. Vice. <laughs> I thought so too. Yeah, because production's great. Like that's the thing about MLW is the production's always like really good, and I enjoy watching the show. But uh, yeah, I don't know. All right, well, don't get too excited or just go back on the. Uh, Go back on YouTube, I guess, to to check that out. So, yeah, I don't know. I I really, yeah, I was. I thought that was the the whole point was they were going to be the lead into Dark Side, but okay. It's always very unclear. Yeah, what they're doing. They're always they're always working. There's always there's always deals Something's going. Happening. <laughs> there's always deals. There's always meetings, but um, yeah. somehow we're left with not having any clue when to ever actually watch that on TV. So, and I didn't watch the the fusion this week yet. So I have not either. Yeah, maybe either. they explain this. I don't know, but I, I I'm gonna guess Joe. They don't is gonna be my uh, my. Uh, but uh, people are telling us that on Fusion Hammerstone does give up the title already. So well, that makes sense. Yeah, but Ultimate uh, Warrior style. He doesn't need that secondary title anymore. No, and I think they did the first couple, or at least one Opera Cup match. I don't know if they did a couple, but they started that this week on Fusion too. So I don't fucking know. Maybe I, I don't know what's going on with the Vice thing. Maybe the next taping. Who knows? It's weird. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> advice, is, <laughs> advice in MLW. It's a very, very strange thing with MLW. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed the show for what it, for what it was, and, and I'm interested. And in, uh, what I'm very curious about is J- uh, Jacob Fatu as well. Like, what's next for him if 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 he sticks around in MLW? Because I think he's really, really good, and I think there's a lot of stuff you can do with him. But uh, I know there's been some issues with some places that he's worked, and 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 some other stuff going on. So I don't I don't know what the next step is for him. But I think he's really good, and I think. Very underrated at this point, too. I think there's there's really a spot for him somewhere, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Yeah, I don't know either. It seems like there's some promotions that are hesitant to book him for whatever reason. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think this is the end for him in MLW. I mean, I think he'll still... No, I didn't see it at that way either. Yeah, I, I didn't see it that way either. He just seems like a guy who, who should be doing better or doing bigger stuff, but I don't know. And he's getting, if, you, if MLW's a good job and you're getting good bookings and you're getting good pay... Not bad. I mean, Hammerstone's a guy who, who, he, although he's starting to take a little bit more indies as well. I know he's going to be in my neck of the yeah. woods in uh, the end of October. Fatu works all kinds of West yeah, Coast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. I mean, maybe it's not maybe it's not a bad gig. You work wherever you want, and then occasionally they'll you show up, you do a, a, a string of tapings, then you bounce, and eh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, sticking with the uh, the American Indies here, we'll, we'll conclude the show with this. Uh, GCW, big newsworthy weekend for GCW. Uh, they had the GCW Fight Club show October 9th. They had GCW The Aftermath on October 10th. Uh, and the big news that we're going to talk about uh, leading off this segment here uh, is GCW owner Brett Lauderdale confirming that Game Changer Wrestling will run the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York January 23rd, 2022. What do you make of Game Changer running Hammerstein? Yeah, I mean, that was a big goal for them. And they've been hinting at it, so I don't think the announcement really surprised anybody because they've kind of been tweeting out pictures of Hammerstein and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, good for them, good for their growth. I mean, they they'll probably put a good crowd in it. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they sell it out out TV. That's impressive as well. That's an all time. Yeah, that's and, a, that's, a, that's a big. I mean, that that's I think my biggest thing that I'm going to check is that. I mean, that's we're talking like an all time. I mean, that's a, a, an all-time story there, doing it without TV, you know, selling out Hammerstein without a TV it, deal. I mean, it's just, you know, that's awesome. That's incredible for them, so. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're hot. They've got a hot main event scene, and there's a certain kind of fan that is really into this promotion right now. So uh, we have never taken anything away from them from that perspective. It's It's not really a promotion for me. I watched a lot of the... Saturday show, I did not watch any of the Sunday show. Yeah, I'm the same with you. I did not see any of the... the uh... um, you know, because I'm watching football on Sundays. You're picking apples or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, but I watched the Saturday show, and it's it was a lot like every other Game Changer show I watch, where, man, I mean, no matter what's on the undercard, it tends to underwhelm, and it's just a bunch of guys doing a bunch of shit. Um but the main events are always red hot. But I did think, I didn't think much of the Moxley Gage match itself. I didn't think that was any kind of, um, you know, even grading on the Nick Gage curve because he's all just presence. I mean, he's all presence. Guy can barely move. Um, I didn't even think it was like a great Nick Gage match. I, no, I, I know. Yeah, I was I was pretty disappointed by this match. I, I just did I, these guys. You know, personally, I, I really was looking forward to this match. This is the one that I made sure to watch uh, uh, from from this night. And yeah, it's it it we're getting rough with Nick, and and it's it's unfortunate because like the presence is still there, the aura is still there, the entrance is still there, 
it's going to be an incredible scene at Hammerstein when he comes out. But we're really getting to that point where it's like, and he's it, it like it feels like he's hurting himself, like he's doing moves, and he like in this match he's trying to do the you know the back body drop onto the plate of glass, and then he lands weird and lands on his knee, and it looks horrific, and you know he tore his Achilles last year. I mean, these are are big things that are. I mean, it, it wasn't exactly the you know the greatest athlete in the world either, but he was able to make up for that by, by just being Nick Gage. You know what I mean? He's just such an incredible presence and such an incredible, you, you know, uh, character and aura around him, but we're starting to really get, once the bell rings, you're starting to lose a little bit of, of that, and, and I think the big thing, even for people that do watch GCW a lot, are starting to kind of admit that, like, yeah, even his death matches don't have that same sort of the punch, you know what I mean? They don't have the same sort of vibe that they used to, uh, yeah. so it's really just, he comes out, he's a legend, and he'll, he'll always, I think, have that but it's just we're starting to lose a little bit of that. All right, now it's go time. The match started, and you're going to die. Like, you don't have that as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Cardona stuff has kind of ran its course, for me at least. Um, I'm kind of tired of that. And But, you know, now he's he's uh, he's uh, bringing in the inescapable one. What's his wife's name again? Um, Chelsea Green, the hot mess, Chelsea Joe. Green. How could you forget the hot mess? So now Chelsea Green's coming in to feud with uh, the Ally Cat. So get prepared for that one, Rich. Get all fired up about Chelsea Green versus the Ally Cat. Uh, sir, if that was happening in my backyards, I would close <laughs> the blinds. I think I'm good. Thank you, though, um, but uh, I think I'm all right. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's red hot. No matter where they go, no matter where they run, they've got a packed crowd. I mean, they packed them into that. To that showboat again, there had to be a couple thousand people there, at least 1,500. I didn't see any kind of official number or anything. And the the way that they present their wrestling, their fan base just eats it up. These are people, they want to have a beer and just watch people do cool shit. They're not there to see great psychology. They're not there to see great work. They're not there to see a refined, uh, clean product or any kind of slick production. None of that matters to their fan base. And they cater to that fan base and what that fan base is looking for to perfection. And I don't know how far you can go with this. Um, There's obviously going to be limitations that you face in your growth um, with the style of product it is and, and, and very adult oriented and all those sorts of things. But I don't know if they're concerned about that. I think they're that they would be happy just being, an indie that draws enormous crowds and just to ride that wave as long as yeah, they why can, not? Yeah. Go for it. As long as they can do it. Um, the shows are almost never for me. Uh, I just don't ever enjoy them start to finish. It's just not my kind of wrestling. Um, I don't, the vibe is not for me, just the overall feel and energy and vibe. It's just not for me. Um, not on the streams anyway. I I've been to live shows and they're a lot of fun, um, but they're connecting with a certain kind of audience and it's red hot. And it does feel like they're, it feels like they're peaking now or may have peaked. So I think it's the perfect time to do something like Hammerstein. Yeah. Why not? I, I mean, now, now seems like, I mean, I, I think definitely I'm, I'm with you that whether they've peaked or they're peaking or whatever, it feels like they're. I mean, there was a time I don't know about three, four years ago where it felt like, man, like look at this. They were like a hot shot new company that was really kind of. And I know they weren't new, but like they felt like they were new to the scene. A lot of people were discovering yeah. them for the first time and finding out about a lot of these guys and and really getting into this. And then it kind of became like, yeah, sort of ho hum or okay, yeah, they're they're you know whatever. 
uh, pandemic, you know, whether you you know credit them or not or whatever, they kind of stuck out through that and were just like, we're going to keep running and we're going to be, in some cases, literally the only game in town. And that may have helped them build up a bigger audience because people were like, ah, fuck it, I had nothing else to watch, I'll watch some GCW. And the matches and the shows weren't always great during that era, but it may have helped a little bit. And then, you know, I I think in large part, and I I don't know, I'm not going to give him like 100% of the credit, but I think he probably plays a part in this, you know, Giancarlo being, you know, released by from, from WWE, and he was the guy famous for, you know, doing a lot of the Joey Janela videos and stuff. He gets released, you know, by WWE, comes in to, um, to G- back to GCW, and he's, you know, doing a lot of their production stuff. I don't know exactly what he's all doing, but, like, the production is is good. The videos are good. The commentary booth, they've they've decided and, and gone in a pretty good direction by bringing in people like a Lenny Leonard and a Dave Prezak. Um, you know, on this night, and, and I guess, you know, Saturday Saturday show was so newsworthy. Compared to, you know, it's kind of weird that Minoru Suzuki, like, wrestled and it's just, like, a complete afterthought over this weekend. But, like, you know, Saturday's show had two big things that I thought. Uh, the Briscoes coming in to challenge, you know, the second gear crew was cool. Uh, a really yeah. cool moment for the Briscoes to come in there. I thought they would do that for Hammerstein, but they're doing that before Hammerstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm with you. That That's something I may have saved for that, but, but they, you know, they probably have the reasons why. And then I thought what was a really, really cool moment, a very poignant moment for me was Mick Foley who came out. We knew that Mick Foley was going to be there. We knew he was going to present the title for the main event or whatever. But what was cool about that, and and I think I put it up on Twitter, is that Mick Foley comes out and he cuts a promo in front of the audience. And he's got, you know, if, for people that have watched Mick Foley for years, you know when Mick thinks something's cool and he's into something and you know when he's just like cashing a check. Those last like six months in TNA, he was cashing a check. He didn't care. The first month in TNA... He loved it. The stuff with Randy Orton, he loved. Like the stuff, you know, you can go through, you know, post retirement, quote unquote, Mick Foley. You can tell when he's into something and when he's just cashing checks and just doesn't really care or whatever. This felt like he cared about this company, that he truly thinks, hey, this is pretty cool. What you guys are doing here is cool as fuck, and I'm into it. And that's a big deal because I, I really truly do think that that stamp of approval from Mick Foley is a very big deal for a lot of people that, that you know, you can point to it and say, hey, here's McFoley at our shows. He's doing commentary. He's he's saying great stuff about everybody that's wrestling there. And it doesn't feel like he's just like, oh, yeah, the guys in the back. These are great wrestlers. All right. Enjoy the show, guys. Like, it wasn't that. Like, he knew the storylines. He made, like, a, a fuck Matt Cardona, you know, reference. And the crowd popped big. And then he rolls out and does commentary, you know, for the the, the, the death match. And, and it's funny because they say that, like, you know, and I, I, I think he, he mentions that he had a conversation with Brett Lauderdale. And Mick Foley says, hey, can I commentate the main event? And Brett's like, oh, you, okay. I was going to ask if you wanted to, but yeah, sure. Like, of course. And that, I think, is a big deal, too. So getting that stamp of approval from Mick Foley, I do think, is a big deal. Not only being a hardcore legend, but being also just kind of a, uh, a genre of wrestling fans that respect and, 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 and admire Mick Foley. That's a big deal. And he did, it for, he, he, legitimized, he did a lot to legitimize Ring of Honor all those years ago, back in 20, uh, 2004, I believe. Uh, is when he came in. I forget the exact timeline when he came in, but that was a big deal in legitimizing them and getting into the feud with Ricky Steamboat, the garbage wrestling versus the real wrestling, that sort of stuff. It was, it was a good stuff. It was really, really good stuff for Ring of Honor and helped them a lot. And I, I, I think this might help them too. Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but getting that Sanford approval from McFoley, having him be truly invested in it, I think is a big deal. And I, I, I think it's something to, to, to not underrate how important it might be. That was a huge get. And they're booking a lot of big names. Yeah. You know, just, you know, Minoru Suzuki is basically on almost every, at least on every weekend, if not every single show, um, you know, and Foley. And we just talked about the Briscoes and uh, they're bringing in a lot of big names. And that's, you know, what you can do. Look, I know nothing about their finances and how much of 
their money that they're putting back into the promotion. But when you're drawing all these big crowds and then presumably, you know, doing a decent amount of buys on the streams, who knows with that, um, you know, you could afford to, to, to bring in some of these bigger names. So I think it's a, it's a good time to try to want to run Hammerstein. And, and I think that their fans will rally around that show. And I think that they recognize that that's going to be a great atmosphere. And I, I think that they'll do very well in that building and they'll probably uh, either sell it out or come close to selling it I out. Think so. I, I think they will. Yeah. I think if it, it, it's a different story, if you're saying, Hey, we're gonna do this multiple times, but saying, Hey, this day in January, we're going to be there and they're, they're Northeast based. So it's like a lot of those people could drive. It's not oh, that yeah. hard to get there. You know what I mean? Like, so it's New York. So it's like, if you need an excuse to go to New York, there's your excuse to go to New York. Like I think it's going to do well. And I, and I think GCW is really good at getting their, their, their fan base to really get behind a concept, an idea or something. And if they're saying, Hey, look, let's sell this bitch out. Let's go. I, 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 I yeah, they're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they will, uh, they'll probably sell it out as well. But um, that's in three months. And I mean, and then we'll see, you know, you know, uh, getting Moxley to work these shows is a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. That right. has helped them tremendously. Thunder Rosa showed up as a surprise on these shows. I mean, they're bringing people in and not even announcing them. Some of these big stars because they don't have to. They're going to sell the shows out right. anyway. Psycho Clown. So, he's coming there. Somebody yeah, in the chat room brings Clown that up, too. In. Yeah. So they kind of have their finger on the pulse of who people want to see, too. Yeah. Smartly, you know, when it comes to bringing in somebody like Psycho Clown and someone like Thunder Rosa, who gets just these enormous reactions at AEW, at AEW shows, whenever she comes out, so these are people who are uh, are are massively popular with fans and kind of fit their niche. So, especially Psycho Clown in that regard. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're doing a great job, and I think they set up Suzuki versus Gage for one of the shows coming up. And, oh, that um, could be awesome or <laughs> very disappointing. I mean, the thing is, it's not going to be good, but it'll be good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. It's yeah. it's just yeah that the aura, the atmosphere will be just everything. Gage is rough, but you put him in front of that crowd, where he's nah, treated like care. a god. Yeah. And and you know he he fucking works his ass off, and and he wants to please the crowd. You know, um, he just can't physically do a ton, but he'll he'll force himself to do it. But. um but yeah, there's nothing, there's no negative spin here for for them running that building and, and all the good things they're doing right now. They're red hot. They're by far, by far the biggest indie in the country. Um, you know, you could even make an argument that they're bigger than, than MLW and Ring of Honor and Impact right now, depending on how you want to measure that. I mean, they're definitely drawing better crowds. I mean, Ring of Honor is not even trying to draw a crowd. They, they went back to empty building. And when they were selling tickets, well, they did anyway for one taping, but they weren't selling the kind of tickets that these guys were selling with TV. Right, right. New Japan, uh, America. I mean, they're, I think, what's, is there a show this weekend? Or is that next it weekend? It depends on the show. I mean, they did really well in LA and they didn't do as well in in uh, in Texas. And we'll see how they do in Philly. Yeah, Phil- Philly yeah. is the shows this weekend, if I remember correctly, right? What's the day today? Yeah, uh, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so... Um, you know, they, they definitely draw more fan, and, and again, it's not just in one city. It's wherever they go. Yeah. It's wherever they go. Oh, yeah. So they're you, coming to Chicago for the Nick Gage Invitational, and there's no doubt in my mind that that thing's going to be, like, as, you know, packed. For yeah, sure. no doubt about it. 
No doubt about it. They're hot, man. They got it. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's all. It's like you said. It's it, it's it's all coming together right now, and this is the perfect time to, to to shoot for the moon and do the Hammerstein thing. And if that if that is their peak, if that is truly the peak, I mean that's a a bigger peak than a lot of people have ever gotten to. And I think even Brett, you know, Brett kind of alluded to that that uh, you know a lot of people have come and go. A lot of these companies have come and go, but we're still here. Um, and and yeah, that that is a testament to them for sure. And you just wonder about when the gauge thing finally runs its course, like then what's next? I mean, that's, it's fair to think about and talk about, um, you know, you're going to be a big boy promotion and we're going to do big boy topics. So what do you do after that? Right, right, right. Yeah. Can, can Jordan Oliver be that guy? I don't think so. Can Jimmy and, Lloyd be that guy? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just don't feel like, you know, what, what, cause gauge, there's definitely a shelf life there. I mean, even, I mean, that guy will wrestle until he drops dead. I mean, it's not a matter of he's going to say, oh, well, you know what? One too many bumps and bruises, guys. I'm going to call it a day. It's, but the allure is eventually going to wear off. I mean, you can only watch his match so many. So at some point, you have to think, what I think they should be concerned with now is what is life after Nick Gage? And that doesn't mean that Nick Gage is going to stop drawing tomorrow, but it's pro wrestling. You always have to think about what's next. Yeah, you got to have that whiteboard with with a few names on there of saying, okay, by by twenty twenty two, we need to have you know the end of the year twenty twenty two. Who are our guys? Like, what's our stories? What's our run? And like, you bring up. I mean, that that's a pretty good point in that like the guys that like someone like a Mance Warner, you could see, but is Mance going to be there for the long haul? Because that that's and it's an ECW thing. ECW ran into the same problem with them. Is like, all right, look, like we can develop guys, we can get the next guy ready. But the next guy that's ready also can't be ready enough for the big companies to scoop up. I think they have some people who can be lifers because the bigger companies aren't going to have. Any oh, I agree. I agree. But are those guys that like you want to push Correct. as your top top guys? Jimmy Lloyd right. is going like. I don't think they have to worry about Jimmy Lloyd getting scooped up or whatever by by anybody. And that's you know, whatever. And and like someone like a, a Mance Warner, I think you could build. Mance Warner is the top guy, but like I think that he's probably going to get scooped up at some point by somebody. Um, Alex Cologne, I guess, but I don't know. Is he a guy that has that sort of aura? No. To be your top I mean, top guy, I like Alex Cologne a lot, but I don't think people he's... get mad at that. But he's yeah, I, I he's like their... him. I think he's one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world right now. But he's he, the I don't top think match guy. Yeah. But I don't think he's. We're talking Nick. I mean, Nick Gage is a different aura. Yeah, and it's really unfair to compare anyone to to Gage's right. He's power the god. Right <laughs> He's but the god of that shit. As, who do you, yeah, he, as right. he likes to say. So, but you got to start getting people ready, um, you know. And it's it's. I want to start maybe seeing some evidence of that as we move forward too, where we're like, okay, this is the guy we're building to be the next guy. Because if you don't do that, you know, I don't care how hot you are now. We all listen. We, We've we been here. <laughs> it's happened. Yeah. So that to me is all right. You're running Hammerstein. You're going to sell it out. That's going to be huge and a great night for you and a great. Um, uh, we've arrived. All of those sorts of things. Great for your fans. But um, you know, what if that's the peak of the emotion here? And then you know, then what do you do? Minoru Suzuki goes back to Japan, and you know, Moxley stops. You know, deciding he doesn't want to go through panes of glass anymore and you know and and you know then what's next for gage then what's on the table have you properly built up aj gray or mance warner or matthew justice or you know jordan oliver or whoever you know when matt cardona decides he doesn't want to pick glass out of his back anymore i mean what do you do then right right janela i think is, is a guy that's always an interesting case of of whether he you know 
whatever happens with him in AEW, and maybe he just becomes like this guy, and 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 then he's maybe a legit guy that you could have. But I think he'll be there forever, Janela. But I do too. Yeah, I, I feel like though it, it's it's this is why I say we could be at or entering the peak of this. You know, when you look at the people they have working for them right now and what it is that's drawing the money and those sorts of things. So um, it might be time to start attempting to heat some other people up to get them at that level. Yeah, so that, I, me, I would say any of the three of that, the, the second gear crew, your AJ Gray's, your Mance Warner, your Matthew Justices, those guys yeah. feel like the dudes that you could do. And you run the risk with both Justice and Warner that they can get scooped up and, and AJ Gray potentially uh, as well, all those guys have like projectable, you know, careers or whatever. So that becomes a little bit of an issue. Is 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 you don't want to run into that. But luckily, they're in a, they're in a situation right now where I don't think anybody's like aggressively aggressively scooping guys up like they were, you know, a year or so ago. So maybe you can you can lay out like a one or two year plan to really get that guy over. But like you're saying, you want like a guy who you know is going to be here for you want a, you know you want a Nick Cage, a guy that like we know every single night that guy's going to go out. He's going to main event our shows or he's going to semi main event our shows, and everyone's going to want to watch him wrestle. Like you need guys that are going to be there forever. And yeah, that's it's it's interesting. It's it's the fun part of this. You know what I mean? That's the fun part of wrestling. And sometimes you know it, it doesn't always work for everybody, and many times it doesn't work. But that's the fun to me is like okay, we're at this point right now. Let's let's build some guys up. So you put some guys on a board and you figure out how we're going to build. AJ Gray to be, you know, our top star WrestleMania weekend 2023 or whatever. And you could do that. You absolutely can do it. It just takes a little bit of, uh, to me, uh, that's the interesting part of the analysis is trying to figure yeah. out. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and they got, I think they have people on that roster. It's just, nobody seems like they're on that trajectory. Like you said, right. That's what I mean. Like they, there's a lot of options, but I'm, I'm not, and this is one of the bigger you know, this is one of the problems that I always talk about with them. The top of the card is great, and they do, and they book the top of the card well. There's nothing going on on the rest of the card. It's just matches. It's just they're throwing guys in there, and it, because it's the crowd is happy with that. As I said, their fans aren't coming there to see character development and work rate and fucking arm work. Like you know, uh, like like we just watched with Hayata and and Daisuke Harada, they don't care about any of that. They're not interested in that. So it's real easy to book in a lazy way where it's like, oh, we can just do this scramble, and we can just throw these two random people together, and uh, you know, it, it's just, and then from there, it's like you're not building the next thing, and that's where it, you could potentially run into trouble. So. Um, you know, that to me is interesting to look at and explore when it comes to Game Changer. Absolutely. So that was, uh, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Did you, anything else you wanted to talk about in the shows uh, from the weekend? No. That stood out. Yeah. I did not watch any of the Aftermath show and I, I only, uh, pick and chose some stuff from Fight Club. I watched the internet title, uh, Cardona versus Effie and then the, the, the world title. And then, oh, Shane Mercer and, and, and Yoya as well. Cause Shane Mercer rocks. So never miss an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, to watch some Shane Mercer. So uh, we're going to give you guys, yeah, 30 minutes here, your night back. So we start 30 minutes late, but uh, I think we're done, though. Joe, do you have any other uh, topics? I do not. You do not. All right, we're, we're out. So we've uh, well, that's it for us. So uh, patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling, as we said. Uh, G1 review coming up uh, pretty soon as well. Continued uh, episodes of CM Punk Best in the World, as well as the Yes Movement. I'm getting stuff together uh, on the Yes Movement as well. So episode two of that should be up very, very soon. We got a new deep dive that we released this week. 
uh, as well about the Love Machine Blue Panther feud. So that is an awesome one to check out. We've gotten rave reviews about that one so far. So make sure you definitely check that one out as well. Uh, and then, yeah, that is it for us. So uh, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship.